at SIFPOP. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to yet another very special episode of Civ Pop Writer's Room. I'm joined with two hosts today, uh, two of the most uh, movie-loving people I know. I mean, that's everybody here at Civ Pop. But uh, for starters, we got Shane Kanto back. How's everyone doing? Ready um, to talk Oscars? Same. And, uh, and I'm joined by Alice from Australia. Hello, hello. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, this is, the I think, the first episode, the uh, second episode that I'm... No, first episode with two guests on. So that's really cool. Um, I don't, oh, and actually, no, the Mighty Ducks episode did that. Dang it. Uh, second episode, first special episode with two guests. Quack, on. quack, 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 quack. <laughs> this is so, way more mighty than those ducks. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. It's so early in the morning here. <laughs> and we had, uh, I had this, uh, Shane and I were just kind of talking and came up with this idea uh, out, of, out of nowhere that was like, look, why talk about the 2021 Oscars when we could talk about the 2020 Oscars? You know, it's. You know, everybody else is talking about the 2021 ones. Let's take a look back at last year's Oscars now that we are officially a year removed from them. Uh, and we will just kind of give our thoughts on now that we're a year removed, was this just overhyped at the time? Did this actually deserve to win? Uh, maybe there were some things on the list that we didn't get to see before the Oscars. I mean, this is probably going to be me more than any of you guys, but something I didn't get a chance to see before the Oscars, but then, but then did later and now have different opinions. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go by most categories. We won't be doing things like makeup and hairstyling or uh, set design production, which does kind of pain me a little bit. We won't be doing short films. Um, I think, uh, I don't think documentary um, because half the times they pick them and I have never heard of any of them because uh, they always and pick the ones that should – they always pick the – don't pick the ones that should be picked. Like, you know, won't you be my neighbor getting snubbed? But that's I a... don't understand how they pick half the uh, documentary picks every year. I and... have some things to say about this year's. <laughs> <laughs> So. Where's Boys State? Yeah. But we're not here to talk about 2020. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm recording with Robert next Sunday, doing an Oscars preview, and that episode will have been out for a week by this point. And I and he said we're allowed to change one thing in each category, um, and to offer to offer a an addition. And I'm saying screw that. I'm I'm foregoing all of my all of my changes i'm doing all of them in the documentary we're getting rid of all five we're doing the painter and the thief we're doing um robin's wish we're doing totally out of con under control we're doing boy state and we're doing uh uh what was the other one i really loved i, I love feels good man that movie was nuts oh, i'm so close <laughs> to seeing that one so close but screw that octopus <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh we'll, so we'll talk about uh, editing visual effects cinematography score original song animated feature international feature original screenplay adapted screenplay supporting actor supporting actress lead actress lead actor director and picture in that order we'll get a chance to talk briefly about um all these films in terms of uh, their relation to the category um and so um so yeah shane shane's on because he sees every movie and alice is, is on because she sees uh, every movie into the Oscars. Uh, Alice, do you try your best to see every movie that's been nominated or like just the best pictures? No, every single movie that's been nominated. So last oh, night, geez. for example, I watched Emma for this year's 
nom picks for because it did uh yeah it's costume and i think mm. like um production design i think but it was okay i get why it's got the nominations it has but it's not the best emma adaptation there's my quick little review for that one <laughs> <laughs> i also cool. watched the animated short burrow because that's on disney plus so that was yeah. my little yeah that was super cute I cried. So I was like, I like Aww. that one. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to make an animated short that isn't super cute. So Yeah. Or depressing. Those are the two. That's the two extreme. <laughs> the only way anyway. to win. Yeah. So, so we'll be talking about the 2020 Oscars. Uh, so four 2019 films uh, in review. And we'll be talking about um, each of these categories that are already listed. And we're going to have a little fun with it. Um, every Each one of us has exactly one wild card that they're allowed to play. Uh, and so the wild card allows you to insert your nomination in a category, but the trick is you have to remove another nomination. So it, let's say, for example, um, for this year's Oscars, uh, let's say, um, uh, to me, a big travesty is Palm Springs not being nominated for Best Picture. So I would say Palm Springs is going to go in for Best Picture and we're going to get rid of Mank, right? Like that's like would be my uh, wild card for this year. So I guess probably spoilers for next Oscar Oscar cast, but <laughs> can't um, argue with you there. Have to say right. So so I have to insert something as well as take away something in that category um, to be replaced. Uh, we will play our wild cards after we've gotten a chance to um, go through each film uh, in the in the nominations category, um, and we'll do our best to try to talk briefly about each of these films because we'll be covering a lot. Um, we have to reach a majority two thirds vote um, on what we are going to collectively decide to award, um, and. Um, whether that means there's some broken hearts and some shed tears, that's, uh, that's, you know, I'm not going to lose some sleep over it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> with all that in mind, I think we should dive into this. You guys ready? Yes. I'm ready. So ready. Well, I said we'd get to it pretty quickly. We'll start off with editing. Um, the five nominees here are Ford v. Ferrari, I The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. And look, we're going to start with The Irishman, um, because we were just talking about that movie briefly and... Why is this here? How can a three and a half hour movie be in contention for best editing? Like an, an <laughs> unnecessarily long three and a half hour movie. Yeah, it's because it's Scorsese. Like, to be honest, when the movie came out, I was like, oh, it's going to get nominated for all the Oscars, which means I'm going to have to watch it. And I'm going to be really bored during that time. And then I'll never watch it again for the rest of my life. And that's exactly what's happened so far. <laughs> what do you think, Shane? I'm looking for my Criterion oh. box of it over here. Are you I the one third of us that likes this movie? I do like this movie, but I definitely wouldn't pick this for editing. Yeah. Like, I agree. Like, there's definitely things that could have been cut from this movie. Like, it doesn't need to be three and a half hours. And I sat in a theater and watched <laughs> that whole entire thing. So I, that's definitely not getting my vote. Yeah, <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. There, to me, I don't know. There's so much about this movie that was unnecessary, and frankly, I don't think it deserves half the awards it's nominated for. But we'll keep getting there. We will for sure get there. Um, so we'll we'll start off with that one, uh, and we'll move on to also. Well, before um, before we before we move on here, I want to know what this is. One of those um, awards that baffles me. How do you really know if something is excellent at editing? To to me, I feel like if there's certain films that you can just feel it, like you watch an Edgar Wright movie. Yeah, like, exactly. Th those things are 
edited beautifully. And I feel like you can edit for humor mm-hmm. and get a lot of laughs from which Edgar Wright films. Yeah. They have a sense of clarity and flow in terms of action, which I'm going to show my hand here a little bit. I actually agreed with this. Okay. Winning for Ford v. Ferrari because, like, that's one thing this movie had to do right. And it certainly did that because it felt exhilarating. And that's the tricky thing. Some of the best editing is you don't notice it because you don't know what was cut out of it. And right. I, I definitely feel like it for it to for it to grab you either has to be done in such a stylish way or done in such a perfectly flowing way, which is also why how the hell did Bohemian Rhapsody Because <laughs> <laughs> like, music? I feel like to be honest, this question this category baffles even Academy members, which is ironic given that it's editors that vote and nominate yeah. in this category. But I I completely agree with what Shane's saying, including the fact that I'm also showing my hand with the winner. Um, because I I think that with editing especially, I always look for how well does the film flow in the way that it's ter- trying to tell the story. Like, does it and in addition to that, does the editing add anything to the actual movie? So yes, there are those ones where you don't really notice it, and that's be- because it flows so well. But are those moments where I'm like, oh, that was that was such a great transition, or oh my goodness, like I can't, you know, those cuts were just perfectly timed. So that is part of the reason why Ford versus Friday. As soon as I walked out of that movie, you know, the exhilaration of the the racing, you could. F- feel you're exactly right you could feel the cars you could feel everything and then in even in the quiet moments it the juxtaposition between the quiet moments where it's just you know karma it's it's almost like it felt wider like a bigger world and then when you're in the car you're in the car and so i think those are part of the elements as well that's fair. I mean, look, I, I, I chose to include this category because there are sometimes some really excellent standouts. And uh, I really didn't have this on on in the initial draft, but I was thinking like two years ago, Baby Driver was nominated but didn't win. And like nobody is better at editing than Edgar Wright. Like nobody. Yeah. And it, it look, it's very in your face and you know it and, and there's that. But I, I think this is such a subtle category. But that's why I'm like wondering, like you, like you said, Shane, if you, you don't know what's not there. So really, well, to me, it's it's all about pacing, and, and it's about making that work together. And, uh, you know, like, The Irishman is a terribly paced movie, in my opinion. Well, and I feel like action movies probably don't get enough a presence in this kind of category. Because like, it's all about editing, and I'm a snob when it comes to action. And if I see, like, 50 cuts in, like, mm-hmm. five seconds, I want to vomit. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Here's looking Let's at be you, honest. Liam, Liam Neeson hopping a fence and taking three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like 15 shots. Yeah. No. Let's be honest. Like, I feel like all all the John Wick movies could have easily had their place in the sun in this category. For sure. You know. And sure. so, but there is, I think, with any Oscars nomination and any Oscar year, there's always the snubs because it's not yeah. the appropriate film. So, yeah. And I think the perfect example of the you don't know what else was there was Mad Max Fury Road. They had like 100 hours of footage. Yeah. 
and they cut that down into two incredible hours. So yeah. like, and and the whole thing makes so much sense, like tracking geography and choreography yes. and things like that. Like, how do you? Anyway, we're not talking about Mad Fury yes. Road. Um, I'll go ahead. And, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and agree. This is going to be unanimous. Ford v Ferrari is going to. We're going to agree with the Oscars Woo. people, and it's it's yeah. only for the fact that. Um, I, I do agree with, I think it's, uh, I think that the film is shot really well, especially in those racing sequences, but I don't know if I attribute it maybe more to cinematography as opposed to editing. Um, like it just turns up, I think they shoot it well. And it's a beautiful a, film. A lot of racing films don't do that. You know, they're, they're, they're worried about getting those extreme close ups, and it's like, I, I, I kind of just want to see what's actually going on. Like, that'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's like it's like in fight scenes where it's so like either in the dark or like you know it is so like close up and I'm just like are you getting punched I don't know I feel like this is just a cam the cameraman's just like shaking it and right. it's just like yeah it's violent <laughs> so so Ford v Ferrari is gonna definitely take it for us uh, but um, but it's it to, again to me it's just a matter of I don't know what the competition is and Ford v Ferrari does stand out I guess. Hmm. Um, I don't notice anything about Jojo Rabbit, really. I mean, it's a it's a film. It's narrative. I, I don't know anything special about the editing. I feel like that's probably, like, from what I, like, watching the film a couple of times, that's one of those where it feels like it's used for humor. Yeah. And for kind of effect. A kind yeah. of film. But, like, and then Parasite's just so, just impeccably put together. And flows so well. That has yeah. to be a narrative and pace choice, right? For editing, yeah, absolutely. The pacing is so different throughout the film based on where the audience is in the storytelling. So you know, I assume that we're good with spoilers as well. <laughs> like we're yeah, going to be talking about they've been, out for they've been out for a year. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're yes, good. so you spoiler know, alert for every movie that's ever come out ever. <laughs> okay. okay, good. <laughs> within within the last year. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, no, but with like Jojo Rabbit, you know, I feel like the editing there is so, again, it's a pacing thing, especially once he finds his mum, you know, the whole movie leading up to that is, it's so fun and silly and very reminiscent of previous Taika Waititi films mm -hmm. and you kind of know where you are. And then he finds his mum and it's like the whole thing shifts. Even it's quieter. Um, I feel like that the the entire film takes on this very serious, like darker undertone and the editing plays into that so much, like the way that Jojo is shot from there, you know, the, the camera angles and the way that the scenes are, are paired together. It's to kind of show like, Oh, he's not just a little boy anymore. You know, he's been through this trauma. So I get why it's in there too. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I, yeah. Um, I guess that leaves just Joker to talk about. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> I like out of all of these, I probably would have the least amount to talk about in terms of editing with Joker. Like, I think I it's probably just more for flair mm. and pacing. Cause yeah, that's, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's, it's fine, but I wasn't watching it being like, Oh, that's, that's so well paced or anything, especially I feel like in the middle of the movie, as he's kind of descending into the madness, I almost got a bit bored because it's almost too slow and plotting. Okay. But um, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I, yeah, I don't have anything to say. Um, all right. So uh, we've talked about all the editing ones and I know we already agreed Ford v Ferrari, but I did want to ask uh, before we officially crown it, did we have any wild cards that we wanted to play in the editing category? Not this one. Okay. 
Nope. Not this one. I was so close to saying, why on earth is Joker here and 1917 not? But I'm not going to mm. not going to label my The my least name. amount of edits. <laughs> yeah. there, there was probably more. I mean, well, I don't, I, I've heard that whole movie is something like 80-some takes. Um, that, that It's just so perfectly edited together. Mm. I don't know. I guess there's I, less almost create I, I, this is going to sound weird but almost less creative flair behind the editing in 1917 because sure. the point of the editing is to make it look like one long take so there wasn't like a, I mean, oh now let's take it from this angle instead because then it'd be obviously like, I mean, less creative us- but tremendously more difficult yeah, yeah it is let's strategically get us into a shadow here wait just <laughs> you didn't see a cut here yeah <laughs> come up out of <laughs> Because that's yeah. what you have to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, honestly, do. well there's, oh, there's really two takes in the movie. You know, there is a point where it cuts to black straight up. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, anyway, so so we'll give editing to Ford v. Ferrari. So the Oscars got it right. That's one for one. There we go. Good job. Good job, Academy. Um, yeah. We'll see if they can keep their streak going. We'll move on a bit. Visual effects. Um, the nominees here are 1917 Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, and Star Wars The Rides of Skywalker, uh, with 1917 winning. Um, let's start off with The Irishman again. Uh, <laughs> look, who made this decision? So, no one, no amount of special effects can make like a seven-year-old dude beating up another person look like a 20-something-year-old dude beating up another person. Yeah. And I laughed. Yeah. (laughs) In the theater, watching that scene. And I understand why this got nominated. But no. Yeah. If I were going to use my my, uh, wild card here, it's definitely getting that one out. But I'm not using it on this category. But yeah, definitely. Like, come on, no. Look, yeah. the the, te- the technology is fine, but it 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 is so clunky with the rest of the movie. And look, I know I've seen comparisons of people at home on a you know used two hundred dollar MacBook make better visual effects, better de aging than the Irishman. So like, why couldn't this three hundred million dollar Netflix movie do it? But yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And exactly what you on board with what you were saying, Shane. I remember when I was reading the trivia on IMDb after seeing the movie, and it was like, oh, they worked with a choreographer, so they would walk like they were younger when they were in the younger scenes. And I was like, they weren't working, walking like they were younger. <laughs> like right. that is an old man hobbling, but trying to look like a thirty to forty year old man right there. Um, oh. But also, I'm you know I get again. Yes, it's because of the de-aging. Everybody knows because it's because of the de-aging and maybe some of the production design, like um, erasing the more modern elements. But if it was mainly for the de-aging, I'm pretty sure Marvel's got it beat on, like, multiple films. <laughs> Let's be honest here. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, and I'm not a huge fan of Captain Marvel, but that Nick Fury de-aging was incredible. So And Coulson. Yeah, and, and, and Coulson's de-aging too. That's, that's fair, yeah. He has, he has yeah. a little bit less work they had to do to him, smooth out some of the wrinkles and things, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. for sure. Okay, well, let's move on to, uh, I want to do the Lion, uh, the not the Lion King, 1917, because for Avengers Endgame, Lion King, and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, this will be, oh, not Star Wars, uh, there is Star Wars in score, but for Endgame and Lion King, this will be the last we get to talk about them, mm-hmm. barring a wild card. Um, so let's let's do 1917 here. Um 
it was this movie practical or CG effects? Do you know? I well, feel like practical. A lot. I think a lot of it's practical effects. Yeah. Which that's a thing because it's a it's visual effects category. It doesn't matter if it's CGI or practical. It's supposed to highlight both. And I feel like this is definitely the one that balances both of them the most because like. Uh, maybe except for like the most outwardly like the plane sequence, yep. which I'm pretty sure they're using some heavy uh, CGI <laughs> to make that scene work. The rest of it's very practical and looks very real mm. and in camera. So like it's a really effectively made film with the effects in it. Yeah, okay. yeah. And but however, I will say there are also some elements like for example, you know there's the big scene in uh I don't know, I want to say the ruins, but that's not really narrowing it down. Um when he's yeah. kind of running, that's shot I'm pretty sure during the day and then they made it look like it was at night. Um and so there's those elements as well, but it is mostly practical. And I mean, it, you know, you were saying it looks real because <laughs> it is real. Nothing's yeah. going to look more real than something that is real. And I think that it, it is just there are a lot of elements that are so pretty, uh, like ironically saying about the visual effects. Like I'm thinking about especially there's so many shots of that where it's bathed in the orange of the afterglow. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Like there's that like you could take those screens and chuck it on my wall, you know. Deacons. So, yeah. But we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But again, yeah. I feel like the cinematography plays into that as much as visual effects, um, mm-hmm. which – yeah, so I would say there are those computer elements, but this is definitely a practical effect. Like, it's the practical effect choice. And I also get why the Academy chose it, because they're like, oh, yes, old Hollywood, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm 100% team practical over CG, if possible. If possible. Uh, yeah, yeah. If possible, right. <laughs> and, like, you know, I in terms of, you know, like with the new Planet of the Apes stuff, I'm happy that they're doing CG instead of, grown men in monkey masks you know um so but yeah for something like 1917 saving private ryan yeah as practical as you could possibly get without putting anybody in danger um Mm -hmm. for sure um okay we'll move on to star wars rise of skywalker um given that we're only going to talk about it once more um Mm -hmm. not not the movie itself just in terms of visual effects (laughs) because if we talk about the movie itself we will go for three hours (laughs) Welcome uh, to Star yeah. Wars Rise of Skywalker podcast. This is this is one of the things that the movie like is pretty faultless in, right? Like regardless yeah. of how I feel about the story and the direction directing mm-hmm. and the acting and the pacing and the character and all that, like I, I I can't think of a single moment where I don't think that looks impeccable. Yeah, it's it's Star Wars. And they at least with the sequel trilogy, they have done a mix of practical and yeah. CGI, and it's Star Wars. They yep. know how to do special effects, except yeah. like except in the prequels. The prequels, <laughs> yeah. Which is just like, am I like I could see the blue screen as I'm watching this movie, um, yeah. but in terms of that, it's like obviously it did really well with it. Yeah, mm. yeah. But I also will say because it's Star Wars, like we've seen, I almost would say Last Jedi has better effects. Um, mm-hmm. Then Rise of Skywalker, and I didn't just I I obviously was in the movie. I've only seen it once because I had no no interest to go back really to Rise of Skywalker, but 
I, you know, I was in the film and I was watching it and I was like, oh yeah, but I was never like, whoa, you know, and I feel like with Star Wars, it's gotten to that point where I need my, whoa, scene. And I mean, I feel like we all know which one that is in The Last Jedi, yeah. um, but in Rise of Skywalker, the closest I can maybe get to is the, like, the lightsaber battle, like with the two, with the, yeah, you yeah. know, going up against each other. But even then, I feel like I've kind of seen that already. And I also feel like Mandalorian has better effects, like in terms of more interesting, memorable effects and between practical and compute and CGI, AKA for practical baby Yoda, uh, <laughs> than the movie. So yeah, I feel like it, it, like I get why it's in there, but it never would have been my choice for winner. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This does definitely deserves that nomination at mm. least. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then we'll do Lion King. Uh, this one, <laughs> I'm just going to you know, like, I, I, this is the only pe- reason people were talking about this movie in a positive way when it came out. I know. And I, that's, I haven't seen it for that reason. Um, so I'll just defer to you guys. It's their dead eyes. <laughs> just like, it's like, uh, I know it's supposed to be photorealistic, but like, that's one of the biggest issues of the movie is like, there looks like there's no emotion at all in these actual animals, but like literally the whole entire movie except for literally the first shot of the movie is completely special effects. Like it's basically yeah. an animated movie. It yeah. is really. Yeah. And like, they look like real animals a lot of the time. It's really impressive. It so is. I'm not surprised this got nominated for special effects. And it's the same reason why, cause jungle book one, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so did. like, it makes it's sense. The same it's thing. Got nominated. Yeah. <laughs> Now, do you know, Shane, um, I know uh, watching the Disney Gallery Mandalorian season one, um, they were showing that that 360 degree set and they mm-hmm. were talking about how that was initially kind of implemented in um, uh, Jungle Book. Like that was where the ad- idea kind of started and then they actually yeah. fully realized that Mandalorian. Did they do something similar uh, for Lion King? Do you know? I'm pretty sure they did the same kind of filmmaking because it is Jon Favreau again. Yeah. And obviously, he's very hands-on in all the aspects of his creations. Obviously, you can see by those Disney gallery productions. So, like, it's a really imp- it's really impressive effects. Except just when it came to making us emotionally connect with them, it didn't really do that. Which yeah, that, that's the whole. I've- yeah, I, I feel like I'm I'm in the minority here in that I don't hate it. Like, I don't hate the movie. I enjoyed it when I watched it because I like Lion King. Like, I really yeah. like Lion King. So I really enjoyed the Lion King. What? I know, it's, it's insane. <laughs> but, I yeah, the visual effects are incredible. Like, they mm-hmm. there are moments, you know, I remember watching it where you see the, the um, you know, the, even the, the sets or the sets – in quotation marks. Yeah. And you, you see the sky and the landscape and you're like, no, that's real. Like they just, they, that's real. That's the desert. Like they didn't <laughs> animate that. Um, yeah. And so the whole thing is an exercise in like, look how good we are. Um, but I feel like it's basically just an upgraded version of exactly that of the jungle book. So I also, you know, it is impressive. I don't, but it definitely was unnecessary, especially because at least with jungle book, there is, a person in the movie mm-hmm. and there's human elements and they went in a different direction with the story while this is literally shot for shot minus an additional song uh, yeah. by Beyonce because then they could like see if they could get an original song nomination. Like that's literally 
the only difference. Um, and they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, like, the thing is, I enjoyed it. I don't know if I'd ever – if I'm going to watch Lion King, I'll just watch the 1994 one, though. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, that leaves just Endgame left. Um, I think yes! I think these are spectacular. Um, and, I mean, look, this is no secret. Marvel's great at it, and Marvel is willing to throw as much money as possible to make these films. Um, I – Gosh, it's it's amazing how much of this movie has to be done in CG and how much of it just looks exemplary, specifically in the last battle. Um, and and like to me, the thing that really sells me on this uh, is is that uh, why I'm not like gonna rip on it at all is uh, because I don't have anything to rip on it is because even you look at that last battle and everything in the background even is still crystal clear. That's like, that's the easiest place to look. If you're looking for faulty special effects, like what's going on in the background, what's going on in the depths? Are they just copy and pasting? And I mean, they probably are copy and pasting, but it's an excellent copy paste. <laughs> like, so uh, yeah, that to me, just being able to see everything going on in the foreground um, or in the oh. background is just spectacular. For sure. And it's exactly what you were saying, like what we were saying before, where it's like practical is always better where possible, where it's like obviously aliens yeah. <laughs> out of the sky. <laughs> Probably you can't really fake that unless you want to look like, you know, Dark Crystal or something. Like sure. obviously 80s. But this movie, you know what it is about this movie? It has all the elements from the other nominees in this movie. And if it had failed in any part of it, this it, like it wouldn't work. Imagine if the visual effects were bad. That entire end battle, like that's that's the that's the cinch of the movie. That is what, but like that's what buys you in to that yeah. entire three and a half hour experience is because you're waiting for that. Let's be honest, and yeah. it needed to be perfect. Like, like it needed to be exhilarating. You needed to feel like you were battling alongside them. Like I get chills still when I watch that. When you have the on your left. And then you have all the portals. Oh my, it's so good. I want to go if, watch it right now. <laughs> if the same visual team behind the tribal fight in Black Panther would have been behind Endgame, it would have been a terrible movie. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Rhino. they also had tons more money. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Rhinos. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they were like, "Let's not bring back the rhinos from Wakanda." They can, they were nope. uh, in the pasture having a nap. <laughs> so, I have been trying to champion the eventual just awarding of this to some film for finally creating that motion capture perfection. Mm-hmm. And like, you go back, and basically, like most of them are. Andy Serkis characters, but like yeah. you go back to Gollum, Smeagol, mm. Davy Jones from Pirates movies. Why the hell did Dawn or War for the Planet Apes not win for special effects? Oh. I'm like, these are real apes I'm watching right here in front of me. Exactly. <laughs> and, and they're yeah. talking. <laughs> for sure. And, believably, too. Yeah. So it's like, how did that not happen? I was so angry that this and Infinity War did not win almost purely because of Thanos. Yeah. Like, look at this character. Unless you're going like 95 Mortal Kombat and make a giant puppet uh, uh, with, um, what's his face? Uh, Goro. Like, you're not going to be making like a nine foot tall being unless it's fully CGI. Yeah. And they made... Like a what five foot nine Josh Brolin 
like one of the most intimidating <laughs> creations in the history of cinema. And Thanos is amazing. Mm-hmm. And Infinity War didn't get the justice, and this didn't either. And I went into the Academy Awards like I love 1917 and the effects yeah. are fantastic, but like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Are we all are we all picking endgame for this? Oh, a thousand yes. percent. It's it's exactly Woo-hoo. what I was saying. So think about it this way, like 1917, because of the practical effects and the explosions, and Endgame's got all that. Uh Irishman, because of the de-aging, Endgame's got that because of the whole 70s bit, you know, as yeah. well as you know, when they just generally go back in time. Um the, like the fact that they made Tom Hiddleston look exactly like he did in the 2012 Avengers. Like, that's so subtle. It's so subtle. But I'm like, no, no. They, they just, like, filmed this in 2011, right? Like, they just knew. Um, then, obviously, you've got Lion King with the fact that it's got, you know, like, completely CG realized characters. Ah, uh, hello. We've got Rocket, multiple aliens, yeah. you know. Um, and then Professor you've got Hulk. Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker with space battles and all that element. Uh, yeah, we've got all that as well. So I don't, I don't understand how. I think 1917 won because it's the obvious Oscar choice, like the prestigious choice. Also, it's the war, like the traditional war movie in this, which always tends mm-hmm. to have a bit of a leg up. But this is yeah. the ultimate war movie. Yeah. <laughs> so just because yeah. it's nerdy and Marvel doesn't mean it doesn't deserve to win, damn it. One might even say it's like an infinity war, you know? I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And yeah, you're 100% right about Josh Brolin. Like, think about Josh Brolin and say, I don't know, the third Men in Black. And then, and then think of that. Talk to me, slick. <laughs> yeah. Like, and not then think lie. of <laughs> He was a pitch perfect interpre- uh, impression of Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, but... he was, but yeah. that's like not the same actor. You know what I mean? No. Like, well, come and on. so, like, th- this is not my wild card, but again, I feel like could have been. Uh, I think, and and it's just attributing to the visual effects here and the team behind that. I could have easily seen Brolin getting a supporting actor nomination, mm-hmm. like. Maybe you know, maybe more so for Infinity War than Endgame, but like I do insanely been, good. So I do my own award show on my channel, and 2016 I gave Best Actor to Andy Serkis. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For the play of the age. For sure. Yeah, like, absolutely. If he doesn't yeah, get I, an honorary Oscar, like when he's you know for all the roles that he should have won proper Oscars for, we riot. Yep, <laughs> we riot. I'll be right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then we'll move on to cinematography. Um, let's Deacons. see. Yeah. <laughs> correct. Moving on. Yep. <laughs> That's about right. That's about right. Look, we'll, we'll linger here for a little bit. We, yes. We're all picking yeah. 1917. Yeah. It's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll linger here. Look, if you have Deacons attached to it at any point. Absolutely. Nominees here are 1917 uh, Deacons. Forgive me for saying names. I'm sure wrong. The Irishman is Rodrigo Pri- uh, Prieto. Um, Joker is Lawrence Schur. Lighthouse is uh, Yaren Blaschka. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Robert Richardson. Um, look, I the only one that has competition is the Lighthouse in this because I I don't I don't see anything necessarily special in terms of director of photography cinematography in irishman joker once upon a time i mean once upon a time more than irishman or joker apparently this is going to be the rip on irishman and joker podcast um, i think rodrigo prieto deserved recognition for silence but yes. silence wasn't yeah. getting like anything because whose idea so was that oh sorry who, who, i actually love the film a lot 
But okay. whose idea was it to drop a trailer a month and a half before, squeeze it into December, and give no buzz to this movie at all? Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible terrible business side on this, but like it's a beautiful film. And like the That's Irishman true. is not the most outwardly like you're not gonna sit there and like all oh, the cinematography. Yeah. But like <laughs> Like yeah. I sat and watched the lighthouse and I'm just like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting there watching this movie. And it's the like, one thing the lighthouse the lighthouse has going for well, great cinematography and, and great performances by our two leads, but everything um, else about that movie I just freaking hate. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, can we That's talk about the lighthouse because... for a second? Cause that was the most painful viewing experience <laughs> of my entire existence. It was in like I knew going in that it was going to be out there. Um, again, well, I watched it because like, my housemates really into this sort of stuff, and I think he'd watched a couple of the. Um, is this the same guy that did the Vavitch? Am I? Yes. Am I right? Yeah. Yes, Eggers yeah. did both of them. Yeah, the Vavitch, which is the same sort of thing, except at least the Vavitch has sort of like a story and narrative behind it. Well, this is just like two dudes in a lighthouse go insane and kill each other essentially. And then it ends. And then Robert Pattinson has his eyes pecked out. And also you're going to feel like you're on drugs the entire time. So it appears that I have very different feelings from both of you when it comes to the lighthouse. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I don't know. Robert's listening to the podcast, just screaming at us. (laughs) Cause like, the lighthouse is my number three of the, of 2019. Oh. You know where lighthouse but, was from me? Yeah. At the bottom, just Damn. above polar, and that's it. <laughs> because here's the thing, which also, yeah, that move was. <laughs> um, the uh, A24 when they make horror movies, they're very out there and are very polarizing to say the least. And but the one thing you can definitely say is Willem Dafoe was in completely insane, and uh, like I couldn't stop watching him. And also the technical aspects of this movie were like off the charts, which it made me so happy this got nominated. Yeah, but it deserves the nomination for sure. Yeah. For this, yeah, um, yeah for this, yeah. <laughs> and even just rewatching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last weekend, actually, like Tarantino. Yeah. Knows how to shoot a movie. Yeah. yeah. And the Joker has a very interesting dreamlike, eerie quality yeah. about it. But like as somebody who's absolutely in love with Coen brothers and watching so much Deacons, like I'm so glad that he's mm. finally getting recognition. Yeah. Because oh. he's been revolutionizing cinematography for years. Because like Alice, you brought up the point about the um, post-changing of the time of day in 1917. Literally the whole entire movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, was completely yeah. changed in post. Yeah. And desaturated. And so, like, this, like, I could have almost teared up looking at that shot uh, out of that window the flares in the air going down into the ruins of that city in 1917. And honestly, he won that award right there. Yep. <laughs> it just been that one shot. Like, all right. Here's, here's the way I describe my feelings on 1917 as in whole halfway through the movie. I saw this in theaters with my wife. I looked over at my wife and I said, I don't care about the second half of this movie. I want to go watch the behind the scenes of this right now. And yeah. that's how good 
Deacons is in this movie. And and what's crazy is, in my opinion, this isn't even his best work. I mean, Blade Runner 2049 is my favorite Deacons. And like uh, it, probably my favorite cinematography of all time. So mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Deacons is like on another level and exactly, you know, what you guys were saying. The- you know, he for so long has been snubbed, but there was no way anyone was watching Blade Runner 2049 and awarding anyone else. I don't care <laughs> if it was the greatest cinematography, like that didn't exist because yeah. there are some shots. I'm just thinking about the movie. There are some shots in that movie that honestly kind of the same as you, Shane, like bring me to tears because they're just so beautiful and what Deacons knows is where your focus needs to be at any point of the film to get the full effect you know I'm even thinking of a film people might not generally think about um, but I'm pretty sure he did like Prisoners right oh my god yeah cinematography in that movie is the I like that movie I remember going in not knowing very much and then I just I felt tense i was tense like from the moment it started right and that's not a film that has impressive visuals great landscapes or anything it's so internalized but it's he knows where your focus needs to be whether it's like the torture scene in the shower which i have to say one of the most (laughs) I, i had to turn away even though you don't see anything like i had to turn away that's how effective it was so you've got that and then when he finally does when he does gets these moments to just go all out like in Blade Runner 2049 and 1917. It's like, you can't deny this man and his impressiveness. Um, is he doing June or has he done June? Do you know? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm going to gonna look it up in the meantime, but yeah. I know he just signed on with Sam Mendes for his next project. So he's going to be working with him again. That was Man. like a small thing. Like, when he didn't come back for Ballad of Buster Scruggs, it like hurt me a little bit inside. <laughs> Actually, probably a little bit more than a little bit inside. I'm just like, no. Because oh. from Barton Fink all the way up to Hail Caesar, mm. it was Roger Deakins in every single Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think we're three for three now. Maybe. Uh, two for three because we gave it to Endgame instead of 1917 for effects. Correct. So. Oh, I'm. Uh, you mean in terms of agreeing? We all agree. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So far, we're unanimous in agreeing on the three picks. So far, uh, we're working like a well-oiled machine here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have a feeling this is going to break it. Um, let's go with the original Ooh. score. We'll move on. Uh, this, right. was a, this was a and, tough one for me to look at and really pick what grabbed me. Yeah. Mm. Not for me. Not for me. Okay. Um, we Joker. Um, I honestly don't remember it. Like I didn't Hil- really go Hilder, into that. Hilder Guana Dotier. Yeah, we're gonna try that. Um, <laughs> that's that one. Little Women, Alexandra Desplat, uh, Marriage Story, Randy, Randy Newman, 1917, Randy Newman. Thomas Maybe. Newman, yeah. <laughs> um, Father and and son. <laughs> and, uh, and Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker, of course, is uh, John Williams. Um, so yeah, uh, you you already started talking about Joker. Just yeah. we, we could keep going with that. I thought it was a beautiful score, but it definitely wouldn't have been the one that I picked. Like, yeah. I was a little surprised that one best score, to yeah. be honest. Like, it was fine. It was fine. Like yeah. the movie, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, moving Next. on. <laughs> uh, Little Women, Alexander Desplat. This is the uh, composer for The Shape of Water, which is maybe one of my favorite scores of all time. So um, I'm, I'm a Shape of Water defender. Like, you know, like... 
sure, it's finally Guillermo del Toro's Oscar and uh, grinding was the, Nemo. Was that the same year as uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine? No, they were a year apart. Anyway, yeah. Um, so. yeah, because Shape of Water was Shape of Water 20... was against three billboards against uh, in right. Epic Missouri. I'm pretty sure. Well, I knew Blade Runner never had a chance to win Best Picture, but it was for sure my pick that year. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, Blade Runner and Shape of Water are both 2017. Oh, oh are they? Well, Blade Runner was my pick that year, and that but but I'm fine with Shape of Water. Anyway, um, let's see. So he he sure. did a little. I don't. I really don't remember this score that much. Maybe it's because the only time I watched it was in SD quality. Um, uh. I I watched it at Aaron's house. Um, for Sposkers last year, Aaron Dicer's house. Um, and when they sent out screeners, they only sent a DVD. Like they didn't send like an HD digital code or a Blu-ray. They only sent a DVD and it shows, especially it really shows on a really nice sound system and a really nice TV. So, mm. um, so I, maybe, there's maybe that. I love Alexandre Desplat. Cause like, um, Grand Budapest Hotel is one of my favorite scores. Yeah. Shape of Water is one of my favorite scores. And this is a lovely little score, but it's not his best work either. And that, I that's a tricky thing because a lot of these were like it's not their best work yeah and but yeah. like he's an Oscar darling so I was yeah not surprised well, and, and the the one song he has in the Imitation Game is like maybe the best scored piece in oh his history gosh. I don't remember the, the 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 legacy Alan Turing's legacy is that the name mm. of the song so there was so I took my mom to go see Operation Finale with oscar isaac and ben kingsley a couple years ago and i was sitting during the opening credits sitting like my god this score is amazing this score sounds like alexandra desplat and then of course the credits are rolling like ha <laughs> and like it's like it's on this level and the movie is like on this level yeah. <laughs> and like he well, has that effect on movies. <laughs> I think yeah. I think it goes to show that we're trying to talk about other scores that he's made as opposed to this one. Uh, yeah. So, Mar- so Marriage Story. This seems like an odd choice for Randy Newman. Uh, I don't remember anything about the score. Um, part part of that is because I think the acting is so perfect. Yes, <laughs> uh, I think it was fine. And actually, just really quick before we continue um, with Alexander Desplat, I'll say that what he specializes in is delicacy. And so mm-hmm, yeah. he's so good at the delicate notes, and that's why I re- I enjoy the Little Women score a lot. But I agree, it's not his best work. Um, but in Marriage Story, I genuinely don't remember that score. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I was focusing on. I was focusing on Adam Driver and Scar Scarlett Johansson. Right, and, and look, it's just that movie was always going to be overshadowed by those two in every yeah. aspect. And I'm yeah. sure we're going to be talking about them a lot more. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So moving on. <laughs> So moving on to 1917, to the uh, Thomas Newman, to the son of Randy Newman. Yep. Uh, gosh, this this is excellent. I've been playing a lot of World War II video games recently, mm-hmm. and the best thing about these video games is the scores. Um, I actually um, played through all the Medal of Honors on PlayStation Two, and like didn't realize they remastered Medal of Honor Frontline, and they got Jakino to come back and rescore that. And like, I just dang, like, I haven't nice. experienced that, but I want that. But the Medal of Honor European Assault soundtrack is just one of my favorite video games of all time. So, but so like I'm primed to love this stuff. I think the Saving Private Ryan score is excellent. The Hacksaw Ridge scores, like World War II military scores, are my thing. And I just basically almost every single technical aspect of 1917 was impeccable, and including the score. I really like I. 
I can't remember what somebody was talking about, but like, I love this score a lot. I thought it went so well with this film and made me feel all kinds of emotions. So I honestly leading towards this and then like it's John Williams <laughs> and Star Wars and that's he yeah, has like but almost 60 nominations at this yeah, point. But it's John Williams like it's like all of the rest of his, the Star Wars stuff. You mean you greatest know? hits? Yeah, like <laughs> and that's the thing about John Williams is that he he loves his own work. <laughs> he loves yeah. you know there is I remember Not so, as much as Hans Zimmer. Oh, I don't know. I don't know cuz I remember so clearly, so clearly I was watching the BFG when it came out and there was an element there were so many uh, elements with this like lighter like flute um piece that kept playing throughout the movie and I was like oh my god what is that reminding me of and I realized it was the exact same suite that he uses in Prisoner of Azkaban in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and so like especially as someone who has watched the Harry Potter movies you know 30 40 times in her lifetime at this point I every single time I watch a John Williams uh, uh John Williams scored epic or film in general, I'm always like, oh, yeah, that's like in Goblet of Fire. Oh, yeah, that's like in <laughs> Deathly Hallows Part 1. And it just feels like he's like, oh, that was really good. I'm just going to take that and adjust it. And then obviously with Star Wars, he's also playing off a score that he, you know, created in the 70s. Like, he's got a lot of history there to play on as well. So sure. my vote is 1917 for Thomas Newman. But mm. talking about <laughs> recycling scores, I remember rewatching Gladiator recently. It's and Pirates of the Caribbean. I, and I'm, <laughs> it's Pirates of the Caribbean V1. And it's yep. like, dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, yep. wait, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean is just Gladiator remastered, and Inception is just the Thin Red Line remastered. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Except um, Lisa Gerard didn't come back yeah. for, uh, for Pirates. And That's true. Also, anything with the Kraken and Davy Jones in those scores, amazing. Organs, yeah. love them. But yes, Thomas Newman's my pick for this one. Um, the thing the thing for me about Rise of Skywalker's score is I just felt like it was just the same thing that we've heard over and over again. And I almost like, like sure, it's fine, but I don't know anything, that there was anything special about it. And so, like, you know, it, um, it's John Williams came up with a ton of new great stuff for the prequels. And then for the sequels, Dual I feel fate. like just... <laughs> Just yeah, Duel of the Fates. The yeah. even even the music in Attack of the Clones is, is the best thing about that movie. Even the pod um, racing, like let's be honest here. And pod Good racing score. is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh. But 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 also I've gotten a new appreciation. Look, I have the utmost respect for John Williams, but dude, my favorite Star Wars score is Rogue One because Jakino is just doing something really special there, especially with the the Jin Erso Hope Suite. And and just the ending, it's it it is everything that is perfect. Uh, but we're not talking about Rogue One. We're talking about Rise of Skywalker. So it's just like it's just kind of a nothing score for me. Like, sure, it's great if there wasn't eight eight previous Correct. films done by him that were the exact same. So my vote is also 50 Thomas Newman. Years, fifty years of previous score, like. right? <laughs> so, yeah. So my vote sure. is also Thomas Newman uh, for nineteen seventeen. So that already makes the majority. Alice, are, are we going to keep the unanimous streak going, or do you have a different? Yeah. Vote? See, I have one of my wild card options here, and I oh, don't know whether or not I want to use it. I don't know whether I want to use it because I've got a couple more down the line. 
I think in, I, I'm I'm going to hold because I really like the 1917 yeah. score. Like when I need a little bit of motivation in anything, yeah. I'll just put it on. Um, but if you'd like, I can tell you what I was thinking, even though I'm not putting it forward. Like, um, let's card, save that to the end in, the okay. end? Okay. in case. Yeah. It, it okay. is probably my equal first favorite score from last year. The one that is my wild card. So I, I picked a 1917 when I gave my, my movie opinions, 1917. All right. So the Oscar got, Oscars got that one wrong. Um, and they're two for four and yep. we're so far unanimous. So <laughs> we'll see if this does it. Original song. Um, I haven't what seen breakthrough hell? or Harriet, so I don't, I know. I don't know. I know. <laughs> So, right off the bat, I love Elton John, and it's a fun Elton John song. And I'm pretty it's sure it's not even the best song it. in the movie, though. Let's be honest, dude. <laughs> so, I to be honest, I don't remember the Toy Story Four song very well. Oh, I remember oh, that it's one. It's the one where he keeps trying to save Forky. Yeah, Forky keeps on like trying to jump out of the vehicle and whatnot, yeah. and it's just like this. I'm like, gonna throw you, you away. I can't let you. Yeah. I can't let you throw yourself away. Yeah. So a Randy Newman song. Yeah, it's exactly, Randy yeah. Newman. It's, it's Randy you Newman. got a friend in me. It's that. It's the same um, song, <laughs> except it's breakthrough. Screw that movie. No, <laughs> that, was, that movie had some of the most unlikable cast of characters I've watched I in any movie from 2019. I. F- I feel bad. That Harriet movie should have been so much better than it was, but they just... Oh, I agree. I was so excited. And then it was so average. So yeah. average. Honestly? Yes! Anything, are you about to agree with me? Anything from Frozen 2, I would have picked over any of these. So. Yes! Okay, so <laughs> I haven't seen Frozen 2 yet, but my wife loves to listen to the soundtrack over and over, and she's one of those people that wants to listen to like the same thing over and over again. It really uh-huh. annoys me. But <laughs> look, Show Yourself should have been the nominee. Uh, like, oh. <laughs> no, 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 okay. I think, okay, I think you are, you're expecting this. I really, really, no. really like Into the Unknown. Like, so I my think vote that is, here is yeah. Into the Unknown because I feel like it's like leaps and bounds better than any of these songs. But I agree. I have to say that um, Olaf song yeah. <laughs> gets me so bad every single time. And I hated Olaf. In the first yeah. Frozen, and I absolutely loved Olaf every second in Frozen Two. Oh, and I, his recap yeah, of the first Frozen is one of the best parts of the Frozen Two movie. Just, uh, so, for your reference, there, Aaron, there there's was, a moment. There was good parts to the Frozen Two. Yeah, movie. there's a moment where he's like having to recap, like tell these yeah. new characters the story of Frozen, like what happened in the first movie, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's so good. Like it's just so funny. It, it's w- just, will I like it even if I even because I don't like the first Frozen movie? Yeah, yeah, because I? it's just like a comedic. Like think about it this way: it's like um, the, it's like an Ant Man. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's like an Ant Man. Yeah. Yes. Um, All right, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you guys. Into the Unknown. Uh, I do like the I'm Going to Love Me Again song from Rotten Man, Rocket Man, but not... It's not the better. Not, but, right. Well, but... Yeah. And, and I don't even, like like I said, I, I would pick Show Yourself if I if you're going to just take... Let me let me pick something different from Frozen 2. But, um, but, like, this year's nominees are so much better. Like, uh, the one from Judas and the Black Messiah and the one from One Night in Miami are, like, for sure the best but like there there are some really amazing songs this year mm. so 
No, um, I, I really like Into the Unknown because I get chills every... Like, the singing in that is honestly some of the best vocal performance you will probably hear in a long time. Like, it is incredibly impressive. More impressive than Let It Go. Um, I'm really glad it hasn't been overplayed, though, because I don't want to get sick of this one. Oh, it's um, overplayed at my house. You know, uh, John Travolta is <laughs> a huge fan of yeah, Into the Unknown. Of Adele Dezame. Yeah. <laughs> Can we can we nominate the Panic at the Disco version of this song instead? Oh, it's good. That's a good one too. Like when I remember when I was listening to it, the credits were rolling up at the end of the movie, and you know you got the Brandon Yuri version going. I'm like, oh my! I didn't realize he had those sort of pipes behind him. Yeah, <laughs> like, Jesus. And, and that that whole like really whiny like I get that it's Indina Menzel's thing, and I think she's a great singer. But that whole like the ah, I oh that's not her. It. I'm sorry that's not for you. I'm sorry. That's oh, was that Henry Wood? That's that uh, like Icelandic chick or something. I don't know. Who. I don't. I don't know. Either way, it's I like, hate it. It's, it sounds like Indina Menzel. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's it's some like yeah. She's she. I think she performed at the Oscars, but um, it's some so, other uh, chick that they. Eurovision's got winning this year, right? <laughs> I love that song no, so no, much. No. I want. I wanted to win. But I will die on this hill. That um, speak <laughs> now from one night great. Miami. If it doesn't win, then everybody from the academy needs to be booted. As long as we um, see Will Ferrell like perform. Then that's oh yeah, great. no, I can't wait to see him and Rachel McAdams perform. Who's oh, Rachel McAdams didn't sing it, so she probably won't uh, perform it. Yeah. Well, I want her to sing it anyway. <laughs> At least oh, lip sync it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so so far we we unanimously agreed into the unknown. Um, so we are all still unanimous. Oh, did we have any other? No- did did we have a wild no. card? Not on this okay. one. So we all have um, unanimously agreed so far. The Oscars um, are two out of five correct, according to us. Um, not not great. Not great percentage. Not no. great for the Academy. Uh, let's move on to animated. Uh, I uh, confession have have I barely. I don't think I've ever heard of. I lost my body. Um, that is I, a <clears throat> very interesting. Okay. And by far the most mature movie on this list. Yes. Well, it's let's the start kids. there. Let's start there. Um, you guys just tell me what I'm missing by not seeing this movie. If I am missing anything. Um, I th- it's. I liked it. Like it, it is a very because I'm pretty sure it's French, right? From memory, yes. it's a French movie, and it's I remember French. seeing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is very French. Because um, I remember seeing it halfway through that year because I was uh, I, that was the year um, Melbourne International Film Festival. I went to see it there, and so we got it a bit early. And I remember watching it, and I just remember being like. Okay, and I like the message. So the whole point of the movie is that it's, I think, about hope and about, like, when you are at your worst, there's always going to be something that can help pick you back up. And the way that this movie decides to tell it is by having a guy lose his hand and go looking for it. And then the hand is, like, like all, like, anthropomorphized in a way. Yeah, like Got like it, it in Adam's like, uh, like Yeah, Adam's yeah. Family, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you're not. You haven't convinced me to watch it. So <laughs> it's on Netflix. Oh, that, I yeah. I really loved it. I thought it was a really powerful film, but it's very abstract. And like when I meant it's very French, it's very uh, like somber and yes. like like 
it's definitely not going to be like the most uplifting movie compared to like the four of these other ones. Sure. Yeah. Sure. By yeah. far. Well, speaking of movies you can find on Netflix now, Klaus, uh, I, admittedly, again, I haven't got around to this one. I've heard great things though. It's so good. Like it's in my forever Christmas rotation now. Yeah. I, the animation style, first of all, stunning, absolutely mm-hmm. stunning. It's different and it's just so well paired to the story and then the story is just so original ironically enough like i you know you don't really see this sort of christmas story um but it's just it's so like lovely is the way i describe it yeah it's a it's a wonderful film i and netflix outdid themselves with animation because usually they suck yeah yeah like they put some crap well, but then out. they put out klaus and sean the sheep farmageddon and yes. we're back on track. i love farmageddon <laughs> uh yeah um, this, this is just one that i just didn't get around to it the year it came out um and then last year i just this is the thing about doing the podcast now is that the end of the year i'm trying to watch any movie that came out this year I, it's hard to get around to the christmas ones but i just don't really feel like watching klaus when it's 80 degrees in july you know <laughs> Yeah. See, Actually, that, that's why you got to live in Australia, where it's about to hit, like, my, the coldest, uh, the hottest it's going to be today is, like, 13 degrees Celsius. So, I don't know Celsius. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's, like, 30 so I don't know. I'll have to do some. Whatever. Version. It's cold. <laughs> it's fine. Is the it's point. fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, this is on my list for sure. Um, and I know you guys aren't alone in saying this is on your forever Christmas rotation. But uh, instead, this year I watched uh, – um, Miracle on 34th Street, the original. And that one is for sure, for sure staying. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the other one I haven't seen, Missing Link. Um, I've heard, like, this is Leica, but, like, I've heard this is, like, bad for Leica. Um, so, I have, I guess I have a strange taste for animated movies because uh-huh. one of my, one of the movies that came out relatively in the past, like, five, six years that I absolutely loved that was so weird was, like, Good Dinosaur because uh-huh. it was so weird and unexpected and definitely not for kids. This definitely has that feeling to it. There, there's murder. There's like, yeah. this movie is like a straight up advent, like a swashbuckling adventure. And yeah. Zach Galifianakis is so weird. As, I liked it. And I loved it. Hugh Jackman's great. The bunch of like the Explorer Guild people guys with their obnoxious mustaches and mutton chops and everything. It's just I loved every second of this. I'm well, a diehard Leica fan. Well, um, so that's so this is what I've heard. I've heard it's I've heard it's not a bad movie by any means, but it's nowhere near the level of Coraline, Box Trolls, Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah, it ain't, it ain't no Kubo and the Two Strings. But no. what I will say, it's kind of like animated Paddington. But slightly Ooh. more violent. That's how I would describe That's it. That's exactly <laughs> what I want. That's exactly what Paddington is missing: is ultra violence. You know, um, Paddington yeah. and John Wick team up. Anybody? Paddington <laughs> has an unbelievable special place in my heart, and Hugh Grant should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor as Phoenix Buchanan for Paddington too. I will die on that. No, <laughs> I, will I die agree. On that I, hill. Agree. I love well, Hugh Grant, and like I love Missing Link. This. It, Missing Link definitely is not like his best. Like Kubo and the Co- Two Strings is like, oh. I love that film so yeah. much. But like, this is just a fun weirdness that I just yeah. enjoyed thoroughly and was shocked, shocked yeah. that the Golden Globes actually gave this best animated feature last year. Did You're it? You're not the only one. Oh. Yeah. 
And I'm like, wait, might it win the Oscar then? I, to be honest, I didn't no. win the Oscar. Never had a chance. No way, man. The moment Pixar's in the Oscar, it's like it's unless it's Cars two, like well, it's, you're done. Let's say let's say Pixar for the, the end. Wolf Walkers. Let's, <laughs> oh. let's let's save yeah. Pixar for the end, and uh, yes. we'll talk about the other one, How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World. This movie is really good. It is. It's, it it's is. just like to me, it's just not as good as the first two. Um, no. How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of like the first one's the best, and then the second one's like almost as good slightly and then, under yeah yeah and then the third one's slightly under that but i like it is a great trilogy of films yeah and it has got some fantastic characters it's got a, a well-rounded out story plus let's be honest the dragon so <laughs> fun little fact so my partner always makes fun of uh animated movies especially because he's like if you want to uh like a, a sort of companion animal character or, or creature character to be likable or good for merch just make it dog just just like make it be a dog in, yeah. in like every way it acts and i mean yes toothless yeah. is that but also i want one and i desperately need one like right now so um, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you said make it dog because like if any ah. Look at that. If any companion is like Dog from Road Warrior, I'm totally in because Dog has your back. (laughs) uh, But like, I love the, um, if it weren't for Shrek and I have like a deep seated love for Shrek, like the, the how to train your dragon movies are like crown jewels of DreamWorks. They are crown jewel for DreamWorks for me. Yeah. And like the second one devastated me. I yeah. should have talked about the second one for when we talked about movies that make us cry, Aaron. Because, <laughs> yep. God, stoic. Yeah. <laughs> that made me so sad. And and for those non-people in this video chat, I held up, uh, we have a to- the Toothless, and what's the, what's the girl's name? The Light Fury? It's the Light, Light Fury. I don't think she gets a name, does she? Well, either way, we, we put them on our wedding registry and somebody bought us both of them. Oh! <laughs> it's too but, good. So, um so in the end like, though look like the first the first one to me is a 10 out of 10 and the second one's a 10 out of 10 this one's like an 8 out of 10 it's a great yeah, movie it but is. like this is a weak year of animation for me um only just like you know like this year's animation is gonna have some good contention right like it does except you bite your tongue if we're about to speak about toy story 4 and you're calling that weak animation no 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 not at all i mean like look to me to me this is absolutely no contest toy story 4 wins but but again having not seen missing link but hearing mediocre things about it having never heard of i lost my body and hearing really good things about klaus but probably was never gonna win the oscar no this was toy story 4 yeah like (laughs) yeah yeah, um, you want to talk yeah. about movies that made me cry, like yeah. that moment where the doll, like, go, you know, decides sees that little girl and they bond. Oh my god, it yeah. is heartbreaking and heartwarming. So, all at I the same still time. don't know how I feel about the ending, only because I feel like Buzz and Woody belong together, and I don't like the idea of separating them. And like Woody's also separated from Bullseye and Jesse, and like that doesn't makes sense I, to me i i so first off but i appreciate movie, that they're taking risks this yeah. movie goes to some places that not many kids family films would even dare like you mm-hmm. literally have existential crisis yeah like, this fork 
does not understand its place in life anymore. Like uh, trash, trash, <laughs> trash. I'm, I'm trash. And like cue all the memes of like so many people like joking about their self-esteem, calling themselves trash and yeah. connected <laughs> with Forky. Um, but like, I think it was so compelling that Woody had that crisis of like, what's my purpose now? Cause he didn't fit in where right. he was now. And I, I personally loved the place in life that he has now. Well, so I agree with his decision. I just, I'm like, but like, can't Bullseye and Jesse stay with you? But like, but Bonnie, it's like, I don't know. It's just such a weird, like, well, he I didn't have Bullseye and Jesse for like eight years. Like when he first, became aware or and whatever he didn't have bullseye and jesse that didn't come into effect but, but like, till like, toy bullseye, story 2 but bullseye has always been the like most like lovable to woody and like you know just see the moment where he says bye to bullseye it's it's so underplayed to me in the, in the anyway uh but <laughs> my biggest worry going into this movie was some of the new characters because i'm like does Ducky and Bunny really fit in a Toy Story movie? And then you watch yes. it, and then I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, and also, they... so does so does Keanu Reeves. Oh yes, Duke Kaboom. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Forky is my yeah. favorite character in this movie, and maybe maybe the Toy Story franchise. I love yeah. Forky. Tony yeah. Hale is such a such a treasure between Veep and Arrested Development, and yep. just like Buster Blue. <laughs> But can yep. we also just talk about, like, all the characters are amazing, but can we talk about the actual animation? Like, I'm just thinking about the when they're, walk, like, exploring around or sneaking around the antique shop yeah. and those moments of light and, like, glinting off the spider web and, like, the details. Every – you want to talk about, like, things you could have totally, like, faffed around with in the background – Every yeah. element of that store had been thought out to perfection, like the scuffs, the the weird little scratches, the fact that there's like cracks on things, and the coloring, even the fading of color. Like it is just, I the, can't even begin to perceive doing one of those things. You know, the the way that light reflects off of them has improved incredibly in the last twenty years. Because you look at the first Toy Story, and it's like yeah. they, it looks like they put a piece of white paper on the screen and took a picture, but like. Yeah. <laughs> but like the the reflective shiny surfaces on polyester yeah. like is ridiculous and 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 uh you know the rain is is the most notable thing that's yes. just so perfect so this, and like, like talking mm. about ducky and like that the two soft, soft toys like they even have those tiny little like re- stupid little polyester fibers you get from crappy <laughs> like yeah. theme yeah. park toys like those are little th- like they could have totally forgotten about that no one would have noticed no one would have sure. noticed and Peel. Uh, are we yeah. are we all voting Toy Story four? Or we got a. Yes. I think we're on a roll. All right, yeah. and the Academy got that one right then too. So three for six for them, six Woo. on straight for us. Um, are we all voting Parasite for international film? Yes. So moving uh, on. So here's the thing. <laughs> so I've seen all of these, mm-hmm. and I actually want to kind of make a statement with my <clears throat> with my um, wild card here but, oh. because. I've seen all of these <clears throat> films and like, this is like 1927 Yankees. Like for all of you baseball fans out there, like this is murderers <laughs> row of films because these are all amazing films, except one of the most amazing f- international films 
a portrait of a lady on fire mm-hmm. is not on here because France could only have one nominee. So And they picked Les Mis. And if it's okay with both of you, I'm taking Les Mis off of this and giving Portrait yeah. of a Lady on Fire its rightful nomination. That's yep. totally fine. Yeah, um, I get that. I, and, like, look, also, too, like, why is Les Mis nominated? Like, we've all seen Les Mis. And sure, this is a new version, but, like, well, that... This I, I, I kind of feel this uh, like at least with Little Women, this is different. Like Greta Gerberg does something different with it, and I, I haven't seen this Les Mis, but like, how many times Alice, has there have been? you? Yeah, because like okay. I think it's very different. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Like, this would be it's this, not this would be the Hugh Jackman one. Ignorance. I will say that <laughs> there is no music, and there is frightening tension in this movie. Like I was on edge watching this, but like, like. There's more tension uh, in Parasite. <laughs> like it, it does. It, it's, it's, it is different to Les Mis. Like it is very different, and it's a completely different take on it. However, I think everything it does, Parasite does better. Which is also why I want to replace it with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Which <laughs> I have to say, I'm not going to argue against Parasite because, like, yeah. are you? Are you still picking Parasite, even though your wild card is Portrait of a Lady, or are you picking Portrait of a Lady on Fire? I'm going to pick Parasite, but I'd want okay. Portrait of a Lady on Fire to get the recognition that it deserves. Because, like, Pain and Glory, amazing film, beautiful film, emotional film, and Antonio Banderas was fantastic oh in that. Yes. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is an absolutely breathtakingly beautiful film, and emotionally devastating. Honeyland is one of the most incredible documentaries mm-hmm. I have seen because I never once actually thought it was a documentary. Yeah. Like, it felt so engrossing of a narrative. And Corpus Christi, that is a messed up movie <laughs> of, like, this cri- like criminal, like, hiding out as a priest and, like, having that. And, like, but, like, Parasite, Bong Joon-ho was just, like... <laughs> Hold my beer, everyone, and save them for yeah. tomorrow morning because I want to get drunk with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's yeah. just, it's on another level. Like, I 100% agree with everything you just said, Shane, including Portrait of a Lady on Fire, because that is like sexual tension. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, my God. Like, you will never feel more. In fact, you'll feel a little bit dirty watching it, because especially because <laughs> it's French. And so it's very French. You know, yeah. so it's, it's very French. But, um, but Parasite's just like, it was so unexpected on top of everything else. And it is just, it. I would also argue that it is probably the most entertaining of these films, um, of, of the ones on this list. Yes. Like it's got the most entertainment value behind it as well. 100% because the rest of them I wouldn't necessarily call entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> so. Nice. Parasite yeah, um, is like that dark sense of humor about it. Yeah. And like, it's an interesting year with that and Jojo Rabbit. I know. I know. But <laughs> I, I do. What I, that's what I like. I love that they're so not what you want, expect them to be. And you also not what you expect a pre- prestige Academy film to be. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of, it gives me, you know, Silence of the Lambs vibes where it's just like, but then there's this like weird undercutting humor, which I also feel reflects today's society really well. So, you know, there's that too. Just like yeah. fly, fly, little star, <clears throat> fly, fly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I um, I only saw Parasite, and the only other international movie I saw that year was uh, One Cut of the Dead, which is a totally fine movie, but probably was never going to even get a nomination. Um, and I don't know that it deserves it. It's a fu- it's a totally fine movie. Um, I know I stopped but, things a bit, but I thought that all of those deserve some kind of like spotlight. Yeah, no, that, on no because, and that's like, fine because like, look, the Oscars already short shifts international stuff enough. I didn't want to do that on the podcast too. So <laughs> it was just uh, like all of those movies picked <clears throat> the wrong year to come out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, wrong year. <laughs> so you're saying any of these could have won? And I, I, I feel like I don't, I don't know. I know. I think another round is supposed to be the front runner this year. Like pretty by far which i'm gonna watch this afternoon it's good uh, oh i love that movie so much all right so we are still seven for seven all unanimous um we've played one wild card and we have a four for uh four for seven of the oscar game you're right they're officially above 500 um all right original screenplay here we go um Let's see. Where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? We talk about 1917 a lot. Let's start <laughs> yeah. with that. Because um, there's not a lot of lo- dialogue There's not here, a lot of dialogue. But, <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, in the same way that, like, neither does Dunkirk, I feel like it makes each moment a little bit more special, a little bit more intentional. I... Um, I it's it's an odd nomination for me. I don't know that yeah. I would I wonder. I feel like the, the descriptive, because I, ha- I read a little bit of it. Um, I always try to find them if I can and read a little mm-hmm. bit of them. Um. It, the descriptiveness within the screenplay is impressive. Like, it does take you there. But I wouldn't say it's better than any of these. <laughs> like, okay. any of the other ones in terms of yeah. screenplay. Like, that's well, that's not where the magic is in this film. Let's, uh, Shay, do you have uh, things you want to say about that? or my, my thoughts were basically, like, I think that that slot could have been used to highlight a different film. Sure. But, True. like... 1917 was great, so I'm not going to argue with it. Well, so so let's use this to transition to another another movie that like I really like, but I don't I don't really know what it's doing in this category. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Mm. Um, I mean it's it's Tarantino. He is an yeah. expert in dialogue and in but, band, like in in conversation, like character conversation. To um, me, this is this is entirely him as a director showing off, not so much a screenwriter, and I don't I. I think this movie's great at atmosphere and not much else. Um, I really like the movie, though. Like, I have to say, it is a very original take on history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> have, especially having rewatched it last weekend, I had some mm. feelings about the finale. <laughs> like, yeah. just kind of sitting there, like, yeah, this have really been done. To be honest. Like he could have, he could have made a "I Love Hollywood" kind of movie and not dealt with Manson. Yeah, but, but he did. It's that so, shock value he always has to have in the film, you know. Like he needed yeah, something. Yeah, flamethrowers and yeah, yeah, and and Brad Pitt uh, shirtless on a roof. You know, those are the yeah, elements yeah. you need. <laughs> but and I agree. I don't think it's his best work for sure. It ain't yeah. no Inglorious Bastards, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're saying. Um, Let's talk about Parasite because we kind of wrapped up there. I think the thing that's impressive to me about Parasite is that a lot of times when you have um, either English language translated or subtitled into foreign language, um, it's clunky and it's weird and it's nothing about it is right. But with Parasite, (laughs) I'm I'm not positive, but I think they had somebody specifically like in charge of the of the subtitles to make sure it wasn't that way. 
Um, but like, I think it's still just brilliant and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it, it is not lost in translation. Um, I almost wonder what are we missing as non-Korean speaking people? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that it is um, not to, again, show my cards too early. It's not my pick, but I really did enjoy the dialogue and the interplay between the characters as well. So yeah. I do think it's a strong, strong The contender. plot shocked me. I did yeah. not see like any of that coming. I'm like, yeah. oh man, this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, and let's talk about a movie we haven't talked about yet. Knives Out. Um, I really love this movie. I love this movie. This is such a good movie. <laughs> I like, can't wait for the sequels. I can't. Like I can't wait. Four hundred million dollar sequel. Can you? Yeah. Can Shane? I'm. I haven't seen any credible source say. Please tell me that the Benoit Blanc and Joe Blank as brothers. <laughs> Is is a lie. I've also seen those pop up all over Twitter, and I'm like, if that actually happened, I would laugh so hard. Look, like, I love both of these characters separately. I just don't want to see Joe Blank in. No, like I would, I would watch a Joe Logan Bang. Lucky. I would watch a Logan Lucky sequel. If yeah, I'd watch a spinoff that. starring. And starring I would watch. I'm obviously going to be watching these Knives Out sequels because, like, I want more Benoit Blanc telling me about how there's a donut donut hole, hole. <laughs> in this donut hole, and like, so it is in fact a small donut. Nuts. So Ryan Johnson is an incredible writer because mm-hmm. making Looper work. Yeah had a lot of heavy lifting and this movie is so sharp these characters are fantastic the like how they structured the mystery and the twists that go on in it and still leave you guessing all the way up in the end and the humor yeah like just i love knives out and um yeah I, yeah, Ryan, I, I mean, Ryan Johnson's a tour de force, but what else can you say about the guy that makes the best Star Wars movie? Anyway, I agree. Uh, on I, agree. <laughs> I agree a thousand percent. Continue Wait on. a minute. Are we the same person? Because I think we're all agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost so much credibility right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the podcast I, off right now. <laughs> I, I love the screenplay. Uh, kind of like you were talking about the layered complexions. I love the metaphors that are worked in. Um, I it's it's a uh, gosh i don't know if it's uh if i'm upsetting but i it's a travesty he doesn't also get a directing nomination here um for the ways that he layers in things like the the small details like the one that i always go to is when you see marta entering the house um after she goes and drives away from the side um you see her foot clearly miss the windowsill but yeah. when you watch the flashback and chris evans doing it his foot drags and one of the clues was that there was mud on it. so like Every little bit of detail in the screenplay and in the directing is just flawless to me. And yeah, yeah the hu- humor um, it is great. It plus, meant to be. Plus the fact that they're kind of like the twist is that there isn't kind of like a twist. You know what I mean? Right. Like the most obvious answer is the answer. But you're well, like, it, but it's Chris Evans. They wouldn't make Chris Evans a bad guy. Well, and then it's and like, when you, oh. Duh. And when you first went in there, and then they show you how the murder happens, like 30 yeah. minutes in the movie, I was watching it with my parents because I knew they'd love it. And they'd be like, um, that wasn't real, right? And I'm like, no, that that's that's exactly what happened, actually. Yeah. Like, So it's not so much a who done it. It's how, how is this per- how, how is it? this person gonna get away with it? And, yeah. and and like we want that person to get away with it. Yeah. Like 
So subverting our expectations of what a murder mystery is. I know. Which I like. Good luck, Ryan, with the next one. That's all I can say. And also subverting our expectations on uh, what a love story might look like. We got Marriage Story. Uh, uh, in, yeah. Now, nomination. if you want to talk about great screenplays, this is a this is a movie that would fail. Like, if the screenplay was anything less than stellar, yeah. because it it yes, it does rely on the performances. But what I also love about the movie is that it's it's semi autobiographical from Noah Baumbach, but also you know the fact that um there, there's the element of Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver's marriages within and divorces within the like not Adam Driver but Scarlett Johansson specifically yeah. within the film itself and Laura Dern I think also contributed to that yeah. element um and it's just so like I mean I've never been through a divorce but it felt like I have now yeah you know? right yeah <laughs> having grown up like I have to say, like, I tell a little story about my experience watching this movie was I went by myself to the theater to watch this and had to call my girlfriend after. Because, like, growing up, it, like, my parents are divorced. And, like, the having a relationship with my family and, like, I barely spoke to my dad for, like, 10 years of my life. And, like, watching this movie, I'm just, like hit way too close to home and did it in such an amazing way. And this is a tough decision for me personally for what I would pick for best original screenplay right now. Me too. But this was an amazing film. And Noah Baumbach is extremely talented. Yeah. And I I would actually, uh, as an addition to that, so I watched it with my mom right Mm -hmm. and um she like my parents are divorced as well and it was it is fascinating to watch this movie with someone who has been through this process Mm. because i watched the movie and i came out of it with my interpretation you know it's like oh you know in this case it wasn't really either party's fault and it just shows how like poisonous the whole divorce industry is and how it can like tear families apart but as like as someone who a, a woman who has been through divorce, my mum was entirely on Scarlett Johansson's side, like a thousand percent, and she was like, "No, what are you talking about? Like she was in the right, blah blah blah." And we were having proper conversation up about it afterwards. So it's like their ability to capture what is apparently at a universal experience, and I'm sure that you know a, a, maybe a guy who had been through divorce watching this might have been more on Adam Driver's side. Like it is. And as somebody who has no family history of divorce and is not a divorced person himself, they're both terrible. Yeah, um, but, well, but, I, exactly. I but I still want them to be together. Like, yeah. Well, my experience was like, and this is the brilliancy of this screenplay is, I hated Scarlett Johansson at the beginning yeah. of this movie. I'm like, how could you? And then yeah. like, think of like the 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 onions are getting peeled back, and I'm just like, wait a minute. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you? And I'm just How dare like, you, sir? And then I'm just yeah. like, oh, how dare both of you? <laughs> right. And then yeah. how dare you, Laura Dern? How dare you, Ray Liotta? Yeah. And, and then, like Grandpa and then, and Alda and just know, in the corner there. Just Alan Alda's the only likable guy in here. <laughs> yeah. And then it's so funny because while we were watching the movie, you know, there's this, there's the scene, there's a scene that was the obvious scene from this movie that was probably used for both acting like clips. Yeah. Toby, uh, so my partner, came down 
just because he was working upstairs and he came downstairs while, while that scene was in the full extent of that climax. And he was just, you know, in the kitchen making himself a snack and he, he was, he just looked like he'd been run over or something. It's just like, oh my God, I feel, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, they're just arguing. <laughs> it was so... Uh, it just, he hadn't seen any of the film, but he got so affected by what is probably like you know a minute or two that he had actually witnessed. And I'm just like, go back to your computer games. You, you don't need to. You know, you don't need to. See. It's like it's like with the little kid. If a little kid walks in on their parents arguing, it's like go back to your room. Everything's okay. <laughs> I'll kick us off. I'm I'm taking knives out for this one. I am also voting knives out. <sighs> I think I am too. That is what I wrote down. Oh my god! <laughs> I would look. I would absolutely not be mad if Marriage Story won. But yes, it's my close but, second, very close second. But and, the intricacy of the plot of Knives Out wins it for me. So either way, the Academy was wrong by picking Parasite. Well, correct. It's not I'm a like, bad pick. Also, yeah. it's just yeah. that's a soft wrong because, like, also that yeah. one. I'm just like, yeah, no, oh, right, this soft is wrong. Tough. You know, it's like it, it was both. It was all three of our number three pick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I would not be mad if Marriage Story would have won. But uh, but yeah, Knives Out for sure, especially because to me this movie is way underrepresented. Yeah. Um, so let's see. The Academy is four for eight, sticking about that five hundred. We're still unanimous. I thought that was going right. to be the one to break it. Yeah, I know. All right. I don't now know what this one will be. I know. Now we got adapted screenplay. Uh, the winner being Jojo Rabbit, of course, uh, New Zealand native Taika Waititi. Um, adapting that from Caging Skies. Um, let's see. The Irishman adapted for, uh, for, by Steve uh, Zalian. Zalian. Um, from uh, the I Heard You Paint Houses. Joker adapted from houses. the comic books. I heard you paint houses. No, no, the build house. Uh, yes, yes, I do. Jo- jo- Joker adapted uh, from the comic books of Batman, of course. Uh, Little Women adapted from Little Women, of course. And Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is one I didn't know. The Two Popes. It must be based off of a article, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, um, let's start with Two Popes. We haven't talked about it at all. Uh, this is a this is a sneaky good movie. That's yes. exactly how I was about to describe it. Like, yeah. I didn't expect anything going in. And then I was like, oh, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Damn. I wanted to watch a football <laughs> game with uh, Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> like, by the end of that movie, I'm like, I wish I was there. I know. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I know. <laughs> look at these two well, popes. Look, as, as a person of faith, but a person who's not Catholic, I think that this was so interesting from both perspectives um, as, as, as somebody looking into the Catholic faith, as well as being a person of Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I thought it was so intricate and so beautiful. I understood. Um, I finally understood the papacy and I also finally understood uh, the process of choosing a Pope. And I, uh, I learned that. What from do you the mean? Godfather you didn't, you didn't understand three. it in, in Angels and Demons? <laughs> I didn't see Angels and Demons. Uh, so um, I do have some standards, Alice. <laughs> How dare um, you? I love that movie. <laughs> I love the score for that movie. You and McGregor um, is great. <laughs> is it but yeah, no, I think um, Price and Hopkins are both excellent in this. They um, sure they, are. They really hold it together. This is directed really well. Um, honestly, um, I maybe would have put. I think this score is sneakily good. I'm I. It was it, before I saw 1917. Two Popes was my favorite score of the year. Um, it, it perfectly captures Italy and the Vatican, and 
Uh, everything about this movie just really works. And um, yeah, I, I really love this movie. Netflix had a year yeah. between this, The Irishman, Marriage Story, and they had Dolomite too, right? Yeah. I love that movie so much. But like... Oh, well, they also had Polar. <laughs> as a confirmed Roman Catholic who grew up in a very... Like my... I grew up with my grandparents and my grandmother was super catholic went to church multiple times a week we had pope john paul ii up on the wall and like and this is such a fascinating look at a seismic shift in perspective and because like benedict was that still a very traditional roman catholic and then you got you got this pope who's shaking them some things up and this pope actually is like pretty cool dude it's like I like you. And Jonathan Price is great. And also such an interesting turn after being a very different kind of religious character in Game of Thrones. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, my my experience, so I am Roman Catholic. I'm a Roman Catholic from Italy. That's how, um, so I was born in Italy okay. um, and my entire family is Italian, like proper. Um, I was born in Florence and I was, I've, I'm a confirmed Catholic, but I have since lapsed. So I am not a practicing and neither is my mum. This is how religious my mum was, though. She was very close to becoming a nun, which wouldn't have been great for me um, (laughs) in terms of existing. Uh, So glad she didn't make that choice. But she, you know, fully gave in to this entire, you know, into the Roman Catholicism and the practice, which is why I went through the whole you know, from baptism to confirmation and all that element. And then we kind of moved uh, while living in Australia. We both lapsed since then, and we're both not religious. Um, in fact, my mum's done a bit of a 180, gone full atheist, which can happen, you know, <laughs> grow up with nuns, gone full 180 atheist. <laughs> but, you know, and so going in, I think there was a bit of prejudice from both of us going in, going like, oh, this is just going to be so religious and like preachy. And and it was just not, it, it was just a character study. And a, a, ironically enough, it taught us about, you know, Roman Catholicism and that whole process as well. And it's just an interesting observation into essentially a different world that not many people get access to. And you're 100% right, like two very different characters within the Catholic Church as well, Um, the tradition versus the the more progressive, Um, which you wouldn't think of when you see two old white men, (laughs) two old religious men. Um, But yeah, like it is just, it it was sneaky good is, is a great descriptor. And and Shane, when you're in your list of Netflix originals that came out in 2019, how dare you not mention "Always Be My Maybe"? So <gasps> I love that movie. Keanu le- Reeves had a year. I legitimately, I legitimately <laughs> thought about putting "Tennis Ball" for best song. Best oh, song. what about I punched but Keanu Reeves? <laughs> I, I, "Tennis Ball" is my favorite. I love all three of those songs. So "Hello" yeah. and, uh, and "Punch Keanu Reeves." Um, all right, let's get back to the Irishman and Joker for adapted screenplay. Um, I, I more so get the um, these nominations um, yeah. than I do the other ones, um, but I still I, not my fave. Would not would not pick either of these for me. Like yeah, no. same. Yeah, I yep. like to be honest. I had I have feelings for one in this category <laughs> coming into this, and yeah, <laughs> I've got for, like two contenders, but neither of them are the Irishman or the Joker. 
All right, so Little Women then. Um, this is my only adaptation I've ever seen of Little Women, so I really enjoyed it. Me too. Um, so I don't. I don't have anything to compare it to. I don't have. I don't have the Winona Ryder one, or I've never read the book. Or, um, I'll back it up. My only experience with Little Women before this movie was that episode of Friends where Joey's reading it, and then Rachel spoils it for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Beth dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this this is great. Uh, Greta Gerwig's awesome. Uh, yeah, especially yeah. in this movie. I think this is my only Gerwig movie I've seen either because I haven't seen Lady Bird. Oh, that's a great movie. You should. Put I it love on Lady list. Bird. I love. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll, get I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I well, I'm a huge Little Woman women fan. Like I've got a couple. I've got three editions, I think, um, in Italian and English, and I loved the 1994 adaptation. So going in, I had very high expectations. It also helps that Florence Pugh is like one of my favorite actresses right now. So yeah. I, and Sergio Ronan is also one of my favorite actresses and, right and now. And Emily Watson, who's hit or miss, but is very hit in this movie. You, you mean Emma Watson? Nope, I mean him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and and uh, and Laura Dern again, yeah. uh, who had an incredible 2019. And Tim- like Timothy Chalamet, yeah, who's man. having he's having a moment that's been lasting for a couple of years, but good on him. He, he's good on screen. I don't really think I like him off screen, but. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, and, and it's so funny with Timothy Chalamet, I always just think back to Interstellar. <laughs> I'm like, he was so normal. And now you're like, not, <laughs> but anyway, um, almost forgot he was in it because he doesn't have a son, right? Uh, like, <laughs> because Matthew McConaughey really doesn't care about his son too much. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's fine. But my daughter though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't know. Obviously, I thought it would be kind of the same. I was like, "What? what's going to be new? Like, it's Little Women. It's going to be Little Women. Oh, I loved, loved this movie. And for a good amount of time, this was my number one movie of the year. Oh, wow. um, but for that year. And I, I just adored every part of it. It brought something new to a hundred, like 100, 200-year-old story. And yet it kept true to it. Like all the main story beats are there, but it does it in such a new, interesting way that, oh, I adored it. Adore this film. Yeah. Uh, and the very last one, the winner, Jojo Rabbit by Taika Waititi. Um, gosh. Uh, everything about this works. And it is such a shocker coming from Taika Waititi because he's never made me cry before. Um, He's made me belly laugh a lot, um, having seen all of his films except for Eagle and Shark. Um, That's a good one. But uh, but having very quirky. um, (laughs) But having having uh, having, Thor Ragnarok, boy, um, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. None of those are cry movies. What what we do in the shadows? Those are all just have a good time, laugh, maybe learn something along the way, depending on the movie. Um, this, this came, this really shocked me. And, uh, and then also, you know, YTD also playing imaginary Hitler. Uh, and I imagine, I imagine he's a lot of the reason why this film works so well is probably because his interpretation as well as probably his energy that he brings to set. And probably like, I imagine he's a pretty flexible guy, um, to kind of allow things. He's not, he doesn't seem like a Kubrick to me. So this movie shouldn't work. Like I think yeah. like this shouldn't work, yeah. but it does, and that's because of Taika Waititi. And the yeah. those shoot when those shoes oh, came yep. into frame, I sat there emotionally devastated in the theater, just being like, "Yeah, yeah." Because the whole movie, you're like, "Why?" Oh, they keep focusing on the shoes. That's weird. And then you're like, "What?" Uh, 
Like, you just, what? How, how dare you? That's basically what I wanted to tell Taika Waititi. Well, and, how dare and especially, you? It's so deceiving because the, uh, the, the track, Michael Giacchino did the score for this one. Mm. The track is called Butterflies. And because he's chasing butterflies. And then yeah. all of a sudden, abrupt stop, cut to no sound. And everybody in the theater is either crying or realizing why everybody is crying. Yeah. Yeah. It Which... is. It, it's brilliant. Like, and what it does is it also finds a way to do World War II different, which like there are so many World War II movies out yeah. there. And yet this, I was like, okay, another one. Here we go. And I was like, oh, oh. Oh, you know, like, and it's impressive well, just for that. And the, and the thing about the too. shoes is, it is it is not in your face obvious about it. Like when you go back and watch the mm. first uh, the first Avenger, Captain America, it's so obvious about Cap trying to get that dance, and it's just in your face about it. And it's been shoved down our throats for ten years. And then in game, and I out. still cried when he got that dance. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But it's been shoved down our throats for ten years. There's like a throwaway line about the shoes in Jojo Rabbit, yeah. but. But it works so well because the screenplay is so electric. Yes. You're going to say something. I was just going to say the cast bringing this whole movie to life. And because you could have moments like that. And you can have Scarlett Johansson, like, put on, like, the fake beard and stuff like that and acting Mm. against herself. And you could have Sam Rockwell, who has way more depth than that character ever should have had any depth. Yeah. And then Stephen Merchant is terrifying yet hilarious. <laughs> I like, know. You, so we were just high Heil Hitlering around until you. So we were high Hitlering him, and then we were high Hitlering the boy, and then uh, <laughs> now we are high Hitlering you. <laughs> like, how'd that work? How did that joke work? Like, oh, there's I'm, actually there's actually a scene. Um, a Vanity Fair did one of those like directors break down a scene, and and Taika Waititi and Stephen Merchant break down that scene, and it's. I mean, a those are two of the funniest people on the planet. Yeah. So they're cracking jokes throughout, but the, but it's also like really intelligent the way they did that scene, and that's definitely for sure worth checking out on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah, um, um, if you couldn't probably tell, yeah. my vote is Jojo Rabbit. So is mine. So is mine. Um, oh! <laughs> I thought this might break it. No, um, the only one that uh, that really stood in contention with me would have been two popes. But no, this is Jojo Rabbit. And and here's really the kicker. The thing that really sinks that in is that as soon as I walked out of the theater, I went to Amazon. I found Caging Skies and I ordered it. And it, admittedly, I haven't gotten around to it yet. But immediately I was like, I, I want as as much of this universe and these characters as I can get. Yeah. Um, and like best film ending of last year, right? Oh, it's, it is just so like, yeah, like it just it, makes you want to dance, you know. I yeah. love Thomas and Mackenzie. She's gonna yeah. be a star. All right, so Jojo Rabbit moves on. Uh, so not moves on. This is not a Mark Randis <laughs> bracket. Well, we moved on. Uh, we've gotten two of the Elite Eights done. Uh, the uh, screenplays awards. So far, we think the Academy is five for nine. Uh, we are all in agreement on nine. This is the whole thing about year removed because, like, I think still I would have made the same picks a year ago. Uh, but I, I at least maybe feel a little bit more strongly about about something so mm-hmm. um, that's why that's why i want to do a year removed um all right supporting actor here we go we have brad pitt and once upon a time in hollywood he's the winner uh tom hanks in beautiful day in the neighborhood uh, anthony hopkins in the two popes al pacino in the irishman and pesci in the irishman let's start with anthony hopkins because we haven't talked too much two popes yet and uh this is an excellent performance. Um, both him and Jonathan Price are just terrific. Um, and what's so in- what's so interesting about Hopkins' performance is that 
he's not or he's gotten to the point in his career where like he can just take a paycheck and some of his performance yeah, definitely feel like that yeah like transformers and like look to some extent i love him as robert ford in westworld but he's not doing anything special in there um they really just wanted a big recognizable like oh they got this person for this um there's but, definitely one scene at least in that first season where it's just like Oh, I mean, this is a hired Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. (laughs) But, but I mean, he's, I think he's giving the best performance in 10 years with the two popes. And then, then you watch the father. Yeah. And then you're like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We're going to talk about that in two weeks, Air, after you watch the movie. Yeah, right. it, it is. Right. Uh, it definitely tops this performance for sure. But what is great about this performance is that, uh, kind of going back to a phrase I used before, but it is brilliantly subtle. Like yeah. it's not obvious. You, it's, you don't have your big like fight, like screaming scenes. You know, you don't have your insane like emotional like uh, swings or anything like that. But it is just so internalized like you can feel this character living in to the point where i genuinely forgot it was anthony hopkins from time to time like i didn't yeah. think about it as anthony hopkins i was like oh it's like pope benedict like you know right is what it is <laughs> yeah and like the thing that is also so great about his performance is that the whole concept of this movie in this period of time is that the pope has not stepped down in hundreds of years, um, the Pope always dies and then they do a new one. And so in a time where Twitter exists, you know, the Pope decides I'm going to do this thing. That's going to be radical, but he's so calm. He's so at peace about it. He's so sure about it. And and what's more is he's like, I'm actually going to champion something. That's somebody that's my complete opposite and really do my best to like, encourage this person like no like i was never the right pick you should have been the and he's so convincing in that Mm -hmm. um yeah um shane do you have thoughts i don't don't know that you've oh anthony hopkins was great like two popes was one of the most unexpected movies for me Mm. in 2019 and I did not expect to love both of these performances as much. I love these characters so much. I'm going to reiterate. I wanted to watch that football game with them at the end of this movie. Yeah. Because like they were, it was just such a fun time to be around them. And it's not like they're easy laid back performances. Like they had to do some lifting in this movie and they both yeah. did it so well. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Let, let's move on to a film we haven't talked about yet. Tom Hanks in a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Oh, I love Tom Hanks so much. He's, he's, a, just, he's a national who, treasure. Who else could you possibly cast as somebody like Mr. Rogers yeah. than Tom at, Hanks? At this moment in time? I'm, like I know. That this Paul, movie was very Paul Newman uh, a while yeah. ago. Well, I was gonna say this moment in time. I don't know if I'd yeah, cast right, him right no, now. This, yeah. yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Might be difficult. Um, I don't know if he could, if we could get his agent to get him to be involved in this picture. I haven't um, heard from him in a while. <laughs> so this movie was really unexpected. <laughs> like I was expecting a very straightforward kind of mm. film, and this was a surprisingly artistic. And there's something mysterious and intense about Tom Hanks in this movie. Mm. There's something magical because, like. He never gave us enough for us to fully grasp who he was, 
who Fred Rogers was so deep inside, but like every moment he's on screen in this film there, he's magnetic. Yes. Like just everything. And he captured the spirit of this man so well. And this, like, well, I'll talk about it in a second, but like Tom Hanks doesn't get enough credit. I feel like there's two kinds of amazing actors. They're the ones that every time you're in something, you get that recognition like Streep. How many times has Meryl Streep been nominated? She could like pop up and in into the woods nomination. I was half <laughs> expecting her to get not nominated for Little Women for Best Supporting Actor. I was yeah. honestly expecting that. But like Tom Hanks, I feel like they've taken for granted like how amazing he is every time he pops on screen. Even something like playing Walt Disney and Saving Mr. Banks. There's just something special about him. And there was something. Yeah, and then Borat too. <laughs> but he was so great in this i love every second he was on screen and that that's the thing about tom hanks is that kind of jumping off what you were saying like he is always great like whenever he's in a movie he's not going to be the weak point you know and there that there's a reason why even though i have all my uh dv uh like movies blu-rays and dvds organized by genre my mum and I, um, especially when I lived there, we had a Tom Hanks section, like completely removed. And we have all of his movies in their own bit within that organization. And it's because he is our favorite actor, like as a family combined. And, yeah. you know, even this year in News of the World, like it is just, yes. you you want to keep watching him. And, it, and with a, a character, like I, I'm Australian. I don't really have an affinity to Fred Rogers. Like I don't have that universal love. I didn't even know who he was until the documentary came out. But um, oh, ne- he's a saint. Is who he was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's saint. like when I realized who it was, and you know, when they announced the movie, it's like you need someone who, when they're not on screen, you want them to be on screen. Like yeah. you want to keep watching, and that's who Tom Hanks is, and he's just. So good. He's just so good. So yeah. yeah. Agreed. Amazing. I do I do prefer the documentary over this movie, but I think that's mm-hmm. just because the documentary is is so encapsulating and gets to show about like a bunch of people's testimony about the actual person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do but I do like how they chose to make this a very contained story. I mean it's based yeah. off an article, a real life event. Yeah. Um they chose to base it off of that as opposed to just making the documentary a movie, which was never the intent. So yeah. um Okay, uh, the winner, Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, as Cliff Booth. You uh, you watched this most recently, Shane. One of, one of the coolest characters in movies. Like, I remember watching this movie, and I was just like, I want to know Cliff Booth. Like, I want to <laughs> know this guy, be friends with this guy. And, like, he's a little seedy. Like, yeah. there's... <laughs> There's well, I mean, a little. I mean, he like, almost definitely killed his wife, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of like, the greatest scenes when nothing is is explicitly said, but just when he's in the boat and he just yep. sees the like harpoon gun, he's just like, "Did he? Did he? Did he do it?" Yes, but you don't care. <laughs> and that's you get it. You're like, I, I get it. He's my favorite I've ever met. And like. <laughs> The moments where he just and like say what you will about that Bruce Lee scene because I know Bruce Lee's family has a lot to say about that Bruce Lee scene. But when he's like, "I love it," I'm 
if I'm in a fight and I kill somebody, I go to jail. It's like, if you kill anybody in a fight, you go to jail. It's called manslaughter. And like, Brad Pitt is so great in this movie. And I picked him as my pick for best supporting actor in my awards because like he is just endlessly watchable in this movie. Like not even just counting when he takes his shirt off and I'm just like, Oh my God, how old are you? Yeah. And like (laughs) the shape that he's in, but like there is like, and we'll get to it when we get to best actor, but there's something to be said about him and Leo in this movie. Mm. So I loved it. See, all right. Here's here's the crazy thing um, is that I left the movie. I'm like the best actress. The best actor in this movie was the little girl on the Western set. <laughs> <laughs> she was great, though. She yeah. was very. Good. I love her. Um, and I and I, I have a soft spot for Timothy Oliphant. So seeing him in there as well was. Uh, it made me sad right. seeing Luke Perry watching this again, and I'm oh, just because like, yeah. he passed away recently. Yeah. Uh, just so many, like so many small roles in this, and like Burt so, Reynolds was supposed to be in it, right. but he passed away. And then, so, so yeah, go so ahead. getting back to Brad Brad Pitt, <laughs> just because we talked about every actor in this actor actress in this movie. Uh, yeah. Getting back to Brad Pitt, just he's. I almost want him to be the main character of this movie. I, I, yeah. I, I but yeah, he he, per- he perfectly plays off Leo's like insanity and in his boisterousness. Like you need someone yeah. who's so stoic and yeah. literally like I believe that he's trained his dog that well. You know, because of the yeah. character that he is. Like yeah. I believe that he's just like been able to do that and he just lives his life, even though he is, you know, objectively probably living a kind of crappy life. Like he's just yeah. like eh. I don't really, I don't mind. Like, he's just, and it, yeah, it, the fact that he's so believable, like, that's, if you actually break down the character and what he does and his motivations in the movie, it's insane. Like, it is, he's a sociopath or something, but it's so great. Like, he's just so, he makes it believable. He's honestly one, if if not the, one of the best parts of that movie. For you're, sure. You're Rick F. and Dalton, and don't you forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um let's uh, let's move on to Pacino. Um yeah, he, I mean he was Pacino. Fine. He was Pacino. Yeah. He's fine. It made me happy that he was actually like in a movie trying and not just yeah. being like going to sell my Dunkachinos. <laughs> yeah. And like I I thought like he Al Pacino'd out when he needed Al Pacino out and like I heard you paint houses mm. and it's like, he did, he did it. He did exactly what Scorsese wanted him to do. And it was nice watching him for me personally. Yeah. 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 He's, he, he's, he's totally fine uh, in yeah. this movie. And I have the same opinion about Joe Pesci. Like I know it was like, Oh my God, he came out of retirement, you know, but I was like, I mean, he's being Joe Pesci, right? Like, I, yeah, I really like him in this movie. He he doesn't get a ton of screen time, and he doesn't really yeah. get much to do other than just sit and look intimidating for most of the movie. There's some small things in his acting, especially when he's old and in prison with the pill rolling. Yeah, mm. like there's just like little details of like he's such a believable character, and mm. I think he's so much more subtle in this film than in many of his films with Scorsese. Cause like, let's be real here. He's more subtle than in home alone. Yes. <laughs> it, he's not like going full blown Tommy from Goodfellas yeah. or I'd forget what his character's name is from casino. 
But yeah. like, I it was this that movie sold me on that teaser trailer that all I had to say was Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, The Irishman, and I'm like, yep, yep. You got and then me. you throw in and then you throw in Jesse Plemons too, who's you know gonna be this caliber like, later. Who's yeah. also the lead actor in a film, Judas and the Black Messiah, apparently. Because <laughs> like you know, the two yeah. other main characters are actually are the supporting, supporting characters. Yeah. So he must yeah. be lead. So uh, yeah, um, I'm voting Brad Pitt. I'm just gonna rip the band. I'm also off. voting Brad Pitt. All right, this is the first time we're going to disagree. Ah, <gasps> uh, this is it. Is it Tom Hanks? Uh, I have to give it to Tom Hanks. I have yeah. to have to have. It was, he was my second. Me. Yeah, he was now, my second. It, to me, my hierarchy would go Hanks, Hopkins, Pitt, Pesci, Pacino of these five. Um, I, I'm not going to be mad about Pitt. It's mostly just be, like, but mostly it's just I feel like he won almost entirely because the other four actors here are Oscar winners. So, like, this is a good performance. It's a great performance. So, like, you know, Brad Pitt deserves his Oscar. I feel I feel like this is a courtesy Oscar because um, I, I, to me, best performance is uh, is Tom Hanks as uh, as Mister Rogers. You could also argue that Brad Pitt's not really a supporting actor in this movie either. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could. It would be a, it'd be a difficult argument to make. I mean, uh, Leo's definitely the lead. Like, I, Leo's he's, definitely the lead. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think he, I think he maybe has enough percentage of the of the time to have to mm. have a lead, uh, a lead, well, uh, Brad Pitt. And, but. and that could be a whole entire other podcast talking about what really defines what a supporting actor is or not. Yeah, because is it screen time or is it? Impact are they on there the to support the arc of the story? But you never know. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah. our streak is over. I know. Our streak is over. I'm sorry. It's I. I can't not vote Tom Hanks as uh, as Mr. Rogers. I we did can't well. Blame you. We did well. Huh? I just said I well. can't blame you. Yeah, so. it's, it's. I mean, it's one of those that we just. I understand Brad Pitt, and I'm. I'm not gonna be mad about it. Um, you know, it. At least you guys didn't try to like. You know, argue for Pacino. I want my like, Pacino. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all right. That takes us to. Uh, by the way, uh, keeping track, six out of ten for the Oscars. Mm, um, pretty good. Six out of ten. Supporting actress. Now we got Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell, Scarjo in Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh in Little Women, and Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Um, I haven't seen Bombshell. Why don't we start there? What do you guys think of Margot Robbie in Bombshell? She's really great. Uh, the movie's pretty good. I will probably never watch it again. It was what I expected, but it just wasn't like. I, I wanted cool, like, investigative journalism, and I just don't feel like I got it. Yep. No, you definitely yeah. don't get that from Bombshell. This is the movie that turned me on to Billie Eilish, though, thanks to that trailer, because I'd never heard of her before, <laughs> and then heard Bad Guy in the trailer to this movie. But, like, Margot Robbie is, like, low-key really doing the best job in this movie, I feel like. Yeah. And it's a lot of, like, subtler emotional beats in the film too because like she's not she's not playing a real person she's playing a a conglomerate Conglomerate. of just like 
other people because like you have Nicole Kidman and Charlize Theron under their uh, makeup and everything playing who they're supposed to be playing. And Margot Robbie just hits the emotional beats and it's devastating watching her in the scene with Oh my God, gosh. John Lithgow is so disgusting. Oh my in God. This I didn't movie. <sighs> and like when he's being so creepy with her, like the her holding back tears and holding in like very horrible feelings and emotions. God, like that scene got yeah. me. So like I'm happy she got nominated because between her and Sarah Sharonin, we have some two powerhouse young women like yeah. rising in Hollywood, and that's why I made Mary Queen of Scots so disappointing. Well, and Florence Pugh. So speaking of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So speaking yeah. of Florence Pugh, uh, uh, Alice, oh. why don't you go off on her? Oh, I will. Because she is <laughs> the best. Like, she is. So for the longest time, Jennifer Lawrence was my favorite, uh, like, especially young actress of, of her time. And then, and then I saw Midsummer, And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, and the thing is, like, and then I saw even Fighting With My Family, and I was like, that's the same actress? And then I saw yeah. Little Women, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry? Uh, Florence Pugh has entered the building. Like, for someone who I had no idea who she was, that, like, that year I had, I entered that year never having heard of Florence Pugh, and I exited that year with her being my favourite actress because – you don't get more like three more different performances and little women like she is arguably playing the most annoying character in that movie like yes. amy everybody hates amy everybody yeah. does doesn't matter what the adaptation is yeah, she's terrible. the annoying one who always makes the dumb mistakes and you're always like oh such a little sister but the power that she gives and the change between her young self and her older self like it is believable but the respect you gain in that scene where she's talking to um, uh, to Timothy Chalamet's character and he's just like, I don't have prospects. This is what it means to be a woman right now. Like, don't talk down to me. Yes, I can be a painter, but if I want to live a decent life and support my family, that's just not a reality. And you're just like, Whoa! you know, like you feel that disappointment. Mm-hmm. You feel the fact that she she has been feeling this the whole time, but you didn't know until that moment and she's just brilliant brilliant with a capital b is yeah i don't feel like i could say anything to add on to that because that was very all-encompassing but also small i love fighting with your family i'm a huge wrestling fan that made me so happy and i can't wait to watch her in black widow too she's like Yes. She's a great actress and she was fantastic in a great ensemble of little women. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of Black Widow, let's let's talk about Scarjo then and Jojo Rabbit. So uh, the, the scene that you're mentioning about where she grabs the soot and puts mm-hmm. it on her face uh is is to me the best acted scene from uh for, uh, the best acted scene by an actress this year. It is, you know what it is. It's like almost uh, teasing the fact that the movie's going to have a tonal shift because mm. the whole time it's fun, it's silly, it's Taika Waititi, and then she does that and she kind of snaps and yeah. she's like, "Don't you dare like be like that!" And you can see the fact that there is so much pain hidden underneath the fact that her her son is becoming everything she is against, and you don't really know this at the time, but. 
and then she just like shifts and then you see her shift back and, and realize the reality of what she's done. And it's just, Oh, the, the expression, the expressiveness is just yeah. on another level. Speaking of Florence Pugh having a year, ScarJo certainly had a year yeah. between this and Marriage Story. And, and Endgame. Yeah. And she was the one who had the unceremonious part to that whole equation, which is unfortunate. But, like, she is so great and so different. And it's the most quirky and different kind of performance I feel like I've seen from her specifically. And it made me so happy because it was so outside the box for her and she did it so – she was mm. so committed. She fit so well with the rest of the cast because not going to lie, she had some heavy hitters she had to share that film with in terms of just like Sam Rockwell and Taika Waititi and Stephen Merchant. They're fantastic comedic actors and she showed her chops of mm. both emotion – like that deep dramatic acting in that scene and the comedy in it and – she was so great and how it all ended for her in that film still hurts. If I only have one complaint about her, her, it's just that there's not enough of her in the movie. Yeah. Uh, she's a pretty minimal character. And then all of a sudden, you know, she's taken out halfway through the movie, but she doesn't appear until like a quarter through the movie. But that's kind of the point. Third, like, right. Exactly. Like, you yeah. that's you know she was unceremoniously ripped from the world as well for no reason like and you're in, just like in two of the three movies she had yeah <laughs> oh let's not talk about how how black widow is fridged in endgame i'm still well then that. then let's talk about uh, scarlett johansson's other movie let's talk about laura during a marriage story yeah not my pick if i'm being honest i think she's excellent i think she's really yeah. great she, she definitely owns it and like yeah. it's so interesting because like I never imagined Laura Dern this way because mm. like I just think of Ellie right away from like Jurassic Park and like damn is she manipulative and mm. like there's she sells it and like if it weren't for Ray Liotta being like a giant like just horrible human being she easily would have been the most horrible human being in this movie. And she is so great in that role in terms of pulling the strings and manipulating and, ugh. and yeah. it's so funny. Cause I just rewatched Into intolerable cruelty yesterday for my, my show that I do on my channel. I'm going through all the Coen brothers films, such a very different outlook on divorce lawyers. <laughs> so like very different, but yeah. like Laura Dern is savage in this, yep. but I think it was nice that they gave yeah. her the award because of her career, but also not my pick. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, what you guys said. Same thing, like amazing. Just I think this was sort of what you were saying, Aaron, about Brad Pitt. I feel like this was kind of a career award. Uh, that's, yeah, maybe. Um, I I think she's excellent in this movie, uh, in this role. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's great. I don't absolutely have any problems with her winning um that's 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 totally okay i see something um, interesting coming in this vote mm, but we have so, to talk so, about kathy bates first so kathy yeah. bates uh, she everything about this movie is fine yeah um, yes it, yes so this was including kathy bates <laughs> like i love clint and up until like the past three years he was my, one of my top 10 directors and he's 
kind of falling out of it only because mm. like he needs to stop. Yeah. <laughs> like this was fine. It was a fine film. The mule. I had such high expectations after that trailer and that was just him having fun. Like he's just driving down the road, singing Dean Martin. I'm just like, wait a minute. But like in this film, it's like Kathy Bates, like she does a fine job in yep. what she's given. And I feel like somebody could have had this spot instead yeah. of her somewhere. Yep. Yep. Surprise. We before we get to the vote, um, wild cards, we still good? No wild cards no, yet? Still good. No. Still good. All right. Um, look, I'm, uh, Alice is going to vote for Florence Pugh and I'm going to vote for ScarJo. So what no, are you gonna I'm going to vote for ScarJo. No? Oh, yes. What? <laughs> so we're all voting yeah. ScarJo. <laughs> <laughs> I I, talking, I know I know what I was ideas. saying I know what I was saying about Florence Pugh, but I also think that that's probably not the best performance she's going to give, and I also don't think it was the best performance in that category. Like it was amazing, but Scarlett Johansson was just slightly more. Amazing. I've never been so happy to be so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so what no, I literally expect- okay. So on my I have my little notebook where I wrote them down yesterday, and I literally had like actress i'd scar joe and florence Pugh, and and then i decided to cross out florence Pugh yesterday like i was just i i let myself ruminate for 24 hours wow. so. I, I i had a feeling this was gonna go scar joe because uh, i thought shane was gonna be on board with me but i was like i could see one of us going laura dern one of us going scar joe one of us mm. going florence Pugh. and that's I, what i thought was gonna happen after you yeah. kept pushing it no i just yeah. I just, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure, like, I am not at all mad with the Academy picking Lloyd no, Florida. I think I she's great mad. in the role. No. Um, I just, I think ScarJo is, again, it all comes down to that pivotal scene mm-hmm. where she uh, puts uh, soot on her face. And, uh, yeah. Great. Cool. Uh, so the Academy so far is 6 for 11, and we're still unanimous except for supporting actor. <laughs> So you two are unanimous so far. Yeah. Uh, We'll see about this one. Lead lead actress. All right. This one. This this is the one that I am very unfamiliar with. Um, So that also shows you this is where I'm going to have a wild card. Um, I have not seen um, Judy. uh, Judy or is this Harriet? Cynthia Irving. Yeah. uh, Or Harriet. Um, or bombshell. So all I got oh. to talk about is Sir Sharonin and Scarjo. Okay. Um, I saw Judy, and I think Renee Zellweger didn't like carried a mediocre movie to me. Mm-hmm. She didn't deserve to win this, and made me so sad. I'm just like, uh, but uh, also I feel like this is another like career kind of performance because like. But I I would not have voted for Renee Zellweger. So I saw Judy at the Australian premiere where Renee Ooh. Zellweger attended, in fact. Oh, damn. Um, and have to say, she's a very small human. Like I, She was so much smaller than I thought she would a person could be, um, both in height and in width. Um, but... The movie, I agree, the movie is incredibly mediocre, but she, like, is, a, like, astounding. Honestly, she the fact that she is singing all of those tunes, and I, I do get what you're saying about it possibly being a career pick, but I don't know. I just, I felt that she channeled Judy Garland and her just her pure just tragedy behind that 
person. I was going to say character, but it was a person. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't mad at all when she won. Like I was like, yep, I get it. I get it. I, I have very strong feelings about at least two of these other performances, okay. which is why I had well more one an actress one. Um, like I have very strong feelings about one of the performances here, but yeah. Well, let's keep it going then. Let's let's do Cynthia Arrivo. What do you guys think? I like her, but I f- like come on. Yeah, I, she come- was she was good. Like, but it wasn't an Oscar nom like Oscar nomination. This is by far the weakest category of the yeah. Oscars, right? Yeah, like, all of like, these that are like I mean I kind of guess, but. Yeah, I, same, and honestly, same with Charlize Theron. Like, I was just kind of like... Yeah, I also feel that way. I and was like, like, yeah, she was good, but I feel like the makeup was doing, like, 70% of your performance. <laughs> I <laughs> also was very distracted. Yes. It's like, I... Cause, so, I grew up in a household where Fox News was on all the time. So, right. I knew all these people. And yeah. I'm just sitting there a lot of this time in this movie just being completely distracted with them trying to recreate these people. And yeah. I'm just like... But yeah, so like they're both. I'm like fine. looking at the screen, but yeah. yes. Um, All right, so then let's ride that ScarJo wave, ScarJo and Merit story. Oh, oh! <laughs> I don't really know this what to the, say except for oh. <laughs> this is the performance I was alluding to because, like, yeah. between her and Adam Driver, those performances, though were Mm. off the charts to me and they like you needed it you needed it because like Mm -hmm. no matter how great that script was if you didn't have the actors to execute it and this was scarjo's year for me like i know when i did my awards i gave both those awards to her because she was that good in marriage story and i felt for her even though at the beginning of the film i hated her yeah. And then I grew like, oh my God, Adam Driver, why are you doing these things? And yeah. like, it's, she gives such a, so just the acting in this movie. So. For her to do the things that she does and me to still be on her side at the end of the movie. I mean, I'm on both of their sides, but for her to do the things that she does, like go to every decent lawyer in the city and, yeah. and hire the one that is despicable uh in terms of practices like but for me to still be like okay but i want you to win like it, yeah it, it, it's entirely the screenplay and and her performance yeah, yeah. i agree yeah all right so Sersha then um uh, she's my favorite actress like by far so like yeah. any movie she's in i'm all gung-ho and she was great in little women and that whole entire cast is so fantastic and i loved her every second in this movie and it was so hard for me personally to pick ScarJo over her <laughs> when I was picking my own picks for this but I thought that Sarah Sharona was so great in this too yeah and and honestly if they had to award for a career pick I would have preferred they award like ironically even though she's you know our age <laughs> my age like I would have preferred they award Sarah Ronan for best actress for that career pick um, cause she, she is really great in this and she's just really great in everything she does, whether that's, you know, all the way back in atonement when she is literally the most hateful character of all time. <laughs> and then, um, 
Yeah. Um, and then all the way through to Little Women, where she is the, like, honestly, one of the strongest female characters in history. And she had to give her some vulnerability that might not have been there previously, you know? That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But yeah, so I I, I, I really like Saoirse Ronan. I, I love her, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's excellent. She's great. Uh, everything that I've seen her in, she's terrific. I just, I, and I know I'm missing out because I haven't seen Lady Bird. So before we actually officially decide on who we want to take this uh, this lead actress Oscar on, whether we not whether or not we think the Academy was right, uh, this is where I have my wild card. So I'm gonna play my wild card, and I think I'm gonna do what Shane did when he did with uh, um, the uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, although not actually voting for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I think I'm gonna do the same thing here. Uh, I just really want to give a little bit more recognition to Ana de Armas and Knives Out. I think she is incredible. Um, she was a complete surprise to me. I had seen her in a couple things and I had uh, really, uh, really admired her work. But to me, this is just a complete different level of, of excellent. And um, part, one of the reasons why this movie works so incredibly well. Um, and so I, I just think that she definitely deserves a little bit more recognition. So, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on her in this movie? I know I was... When going into that film, I was very surprised that it turned out that she was the main character of the movie, but she yeah. definitely was great. And that says a lot because she had to act against a whole entire fleet of an incredible ensemble of actors. So right. the fact that she stood out among all of them, I think that's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, she was acting against both star power and... Oh, am I getting recorded? I'm not seeing it. Yes, I, yeah, I, I see it here. Don't worry, it's fine. Okay, great. Yes, that's right. Can, um, can, you move the, can you move it just a little bit away from your face, though? Perfect. There, is that better? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so they definitely, like, she did a great job because she's acting against both star power in, you know, Chris Evans coming fresh off Captain America. And then you've got, you know, premium actors like um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Shannon that are known for their prowess. Right. Um, but, you know, I actually recently rewatched uh, Knives Out because I just wanted to watch, you know, when you just want to watch a movie that's just like well contained, well told, and it'll make you feel really good afterwards. And yeah, you know what? She impressed me so much. Like there's a bit uh, after you see Harlan kill himself, you know, um, where she's reacting to it and you just see so many emotions pass through her face because she goes from, you know, just pure like desperation and grief all the way through to you see her like make up her mind and, and you know, be like, all right, I'm going to do this. And you're just, it's really impressive considering that I had no idea who, <laughs> idea who she was like what, two, three years ago? Yeah, I mean, I probably, like, my my actual intro, I've heard of her, but my actual intro was probably Blade Runner 2049. Uh, yeah. And everybody's great in that movie. But, but yeah, she mm -hmm. definitely holds her own here. And when we're talking, I mean, kind of like kind of like Shane said, like, it's really shocking that she was the lead because, like, all the marketing for this was like, oh, this is a Daniel Craig movie. And would he go in supporting actor if we were to nominate him? Um, yeah. He, he's, like, on the border. Yeah, I, th I think I, was... I would for this movie still put him in supporting, but I have a feeling that for the next two that they make, he'll probably be more of a driving force because he sure. doesn't really come in till like 10, 15 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Even. Well, and I think it also depends on your definition of what a supporting and lead actor is mm. because like he doesn't really have an arc 
in it. Uh, right. He's just like, he's there. He's doing his, his donut hole in a donut hole thing. Yeah. And, you know, solves the case. But that's the thing. He's definitely yeah. memorable, along right. with the whole rest of the cast. But she yeah. definitely, she was the main character of the film. Right. Yeah. Well, and like he you were choo- at, he uh, chews all that scenery like it was a good old <laughs> finger licking chicken. <laughs> right. Well, and, and like you were saying, Alice, it's it really says something that this young, uh, re- relatively newcomer, uh, really stands her own against jo- Don Johnson and Tony Collette and Jamie Lee Curtis and Frank Oz and Christopher Plummer, Chris Evans, like just an, <laughs> maybe one of the best casts ever assembled for a movie. Oh, um, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> Um, so, so with that in mind, I've officially thrown in my wild card and we're going to, uh, I initially had this planned out to replace somebody else, but given the conversation, we're just going to take out Charlize cause there's absolutely no way she's going to win this anyway. Um, uh, for, uh, according to us, uh, and it sounds like you all were saying there's really nothing special about this, especially Charlize Theron an already Oscar winning actress. So yeah. like this isn't even one of those gimmies. It's just, uh. <laughs> Uh, so, so we're going to replace uh, Ana de Armas with Charlize Theron. That's my wild card. Uh, well, replace Charlize Theron with Ana de Armas from Nine Inch Out. Um, and so that leaves us for the vote. Um, like I said, I think I still am just going to vote against. Um, I just mostly wanted to give her recognition just because I, I really would be hard pressed to vote against Scarlett Johansson yet again uh, for a marriage story. Mm. I'm voting ScarJo. Yeah. I really considered it. But I need to stick with my guns from yeah. what I originally voted last year. Um, because I, like, as we talked about, I would definitely give ScarJo the supporting actress. But in this case, the movie of Judy lives and dies by Renee Zellweger's performance. Like, the only reason that movie is even 50% watchable is because of her insane performance. Um, and the fact that she, you know, like left Hollywood and then comes back and essentially becomes Judy Garland entirely in this movie is entirely impressive. So I have to stick with the Academy on this one and still award it to Renee. Sure. Well, uh, that is going to break up the unanimity between, I hope that is a word and I hope I said that between Shane and Alice. Uh, so officially there is nobody that is uh, unanimous with one another at this point. We had a good uh, run. We, we did have a really good run there for all, nine straight, all of us together, uh, uh, 11 for, for the two of you, um, together. But, uh, yeah, I, gosh, I, I, I could, I could see the argument for Sir Ronan as well. Um, but mm. it's, there's just something so excellent and outstanding about Scarlett Johansson in that role. Um, and so I guess, uh, that means Scar, Scar, ScarJo takes it. She takes both the actress nominee, uh, nominations uh today which um she won neither of them so yeah um has that ever happened in the history of the oscars where one actors won both i don't think so i don't know if they've won but that's definitely happened in terms of in terms of nominations yeah but i don't think they've ever actually given it both times the same actor i would be very interested to see what would happen (laughs) be like oh my god thank you so much and then especially because if it's the actress because that means they're coming up at the very start deal it like probably getting a bit drunk because they think they're done and then having to come up at the very end as well (laughs) we're gonna bong june ho it (laughs) yeah Yeah, and (laughs) kissing oscars (laughs) yeah i just uh i I feel like um (laughs) i feel like there would be a hashtag started that you know oscar so scarlett johansson but (laughs) oscar so scarjo yeah 
All right. All right. Three more awards to get through here. We got uh, lead actor, director, and picture. We'll start with lead actor. Um, we, I want to start with um, uh, Antonio Banderas and Pain and Glory, partly because this is the only one I haven't seen. And the only time that we've gotten a chance to talk about Pain and Glory is in the international feature. And so, um, yeah. Uh, where do you guys want to want to start with that? I love the film. I love the performance. It's <clears throat> his what is the director Pedro Almanovar mm. has worked with Antonio Banderas quite a few times throughout their career. And he's really embodying the director in this semi autobiographical story. And Antonio Banderas really proves how talented of an actor he is because I don't think most people would be like, tell me a great actor, Antonio Banderas, <laughs> Puss in Boots, Zorro. Like, spy kids, El Mariachi. Kids, yes. It, actually, like every Robert Rodriguez movie well, actually, from like he's, the nineties, he's into not the El 2000s. Mariachi, but he plays the Mariachi character in Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah. So, I love the performance. I was so glad he got recognized and got nominated for it. Sure. Mm. Yeah, he was really good in that movie. And also, I'm, you know, Pedro um, Alm... I'm so sorry, I'm butchering this, I can't remember. (laughs) The director's uh, movies, generally, they're always so, like, I would say colourful and zany sort of thing, even if they're about something serious, like the the films themselves. Um, But, you know, so you kind of go in expecting it to be all about the movie, not so much about the acting. And and Tony Banderas, like, really makes it his own and... um, He's just, you know, he stands out not just because of his sexy, gravelly voice, but because of his insane talent. So, yeah, definitely worth the nomination. Sure. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and ride the marriage story train, and we can talk about Adam Driver. So. Yeah. What did that wall ever do to him? <laughs> <laughs> I it mean, was... he's definitely going to win an Oscar in the next like four to five years. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that down as a as a prediction, you know, I can definitely see that happening because he's already got all of the talent. He's already shown that he deserves it. Um, he's just so impressive at everything he does, whether it is Kylo Ren. Because say what you want about the Star Wars movies, he's always the best part of all right. three of the new ones. He sure like, is. I'm always just like, oh, just get. I'm, I'm, I don't care about anything else. I just want to watch the Kylo Ren scenes. Well, um, man, and yeah. what a testament to his career because, like, he only started in 2009, and yeah. probably the first like recognizable thing he's been in is, I mean, Jay Edgar. But my guess is it's an incredibly small role. Um, it's same thing with Lincoln. Uh, I couldn't even tell you uh, with Lewin da- Davis. Uh, but again, yeah, he's oh, yeah. in uh, Jetson Timberlake's band. Yeah, uh, I haven't he's seen like a that one. Singer. That's oh one of my, my favorite. But like, he really doesn't make a name for himself. Remember when? They, remember when they cast him as Kylo Ren, and you're just like, yeah. who? And and then all of a sudden he's Kylo Ren. He plays uh, one of the uh, missionaries in Silence. Uh, mm-hmm. He he uh, had been on Dr- uh, Girls for a couple of years, so I guess there's that. Um, yeah. And then he does that uh, uh, Myrowitz stories, and then like Logan mm-hmm. Lucky, which is a whole other like oh. separate thing uh kylo ren is very different the last jedi than the other ones like then we got black clansman and the report and the dead don't die and like now now marriage story like gosh i I, and i'm looking he's got like six things still coming out i yeah he's gonna get his oscar soon and i am i'm here for it the fact that the guy in logan lucky who's like you know got the fake arm and the very slow cadence 
is the same guy in Marriage Story. <laughs> it's like insane. Like yeah. those are comp- or even um, this, and then that's the same guy that is in Silence, which is like the most sad, like you know. Uh, painful in it like in a good way but you're watching it going i don't want to be that person <laughs> experience yeah like and then that guy's kylo ren and it's like he look he's the same guy but my god what kind of mental state do you have to be in to traverse all those roles sure <laughs> he's fantastic like yeah like <clears throat> marriage story is the acting and yeah. the writing so much and like that you know, it's that scene, that argument, the well, memes, the memes tell us. And mm-hmm. and how many of these movies that we get nowadays are these straight up, like, how well can you act movies? I mean, like, look, having not seen The Father yet, like, and I know that That's that has a lot of, of other achievements too, but like, you know, that, I mean, we and, and of course, coming off of Fences from a couple of years ago, and you also want to yeah. throw in One Night in Miami here, uh, and you want to, and if you want to throw in, um, Gosh, what's the recent one that the person that did Fences just did this? Um, what, Ma Rainey? Uh, yeah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And yeah, I mean, you got this marriage story. Even even two popes in this category, like, is very much mm-hmm. an acting movie. So, like, um, gosh, I, I don't know how common of a thing these were back in the day. Um, and definitely, like, we now have movies that are getting greenlit and are getting public attention that are just actors doing that. Malcolm and Marie would absolutely not have gotten made 20 years ago right it's well and it's interesting because i don't think that would have been made now without netflix well all right so, so that's the interesting so, thing all right hold on so never so I'll, I'll i'll re i'll edit that statement there's no way mm-hmm. it would have been made um to the scale that it was made with as much attention at the, if malcolm memory was made 20 years ago it would have had a two hundred thousand dollar budget and went straight to dvd right yeah or, yeah, or, or like a or like a small can film festival toronto and yeah. you know, toronto like I, yeah like crazy. film festival release for sure yeah but no way it would be like netflix's biggest movie in one of the months of a year that's yeah. like the last oscar qualifying month yeah so but it is it is so nice sometimes just to watch actors do what they do best you know like even it's fun to just watch them really get to exercise their craft and really just, you know, go completely crazy with what they're going to be putting on the screen. I mean, even to a lesser extent, just to kind of jump to another one of the nominees, you know, DiCaprio in this, like, you can just tell he's having so much fun. Like, he's just finally in a movie where he just gets to be silly, insane, like how he was in Wolf of Wall Street combined with how he was in The Aviator, but with a little bit of like silly zaniness to it. Um, And he just gets to like just have fun. And it's just so much – it is fun to watch an actor have that much fun. Yeah, it is. I mean that's part of the reason why I love the nice guys so much is you can just tell they're having a blast on set. And, you know, since we're talking about Leon, I I really like his performance, but nothing about this screams Oscar. Like even well, nomination. Besides the fact that it's Leo. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, but like, dude's got his Oscar. Like, stop berating the Academy at this point. And well, like, look, he got the Oscar for the wrong movie anyway. So, I so I was I was really impressed by the two lead performances in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And having rewatched that recently, there's a level of 
like Leo is tearing down his own persona in this. Because just imagine, this is Leonardo DiCaprio playing a washed-up, has-been actor. In what world's that going to be a thing? <laughs> and, like, he has the neuroticism, he has the insecurity, like, him just, like, welling up in the eyes and, like, trembling because, like, barely, being barely able to light his cigarette after he has his meeting with Al Pacino at the beginning of the film and all those little things. I think it's his performance i know he has his moments where like he's frustrated with himself in his trailer and he starts like kicking things and doing his whole thing but it's a little bit more understated and Mm. less charming in this because you have a sense that like this character wasn't comfortable being that charming lead yeah and Mm. now he's just completely insecure about the fact it's like oh crap it's all gone for me now right and then he has his hype man and brad pitt so like and look, this is the first time these two have ever been together, right? In a movie. I think uh, so. Because Brad Pitt wasn't in. So. Well, neither of them went to the part. Did everybody's that movie? Um, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, it's just they're all those, you know, Ma- Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Leo, mm. uh, Mark Wahlberg. All those just kind of get jumbled up sometimes. I think this is their first time together, and like, look, it really says something that they work so well together. Uh, and it also really says something too that I mean I know we're not talking about Brad Pitt anymore, but like it says something that he's like willing to take a back seat because like looking through this best, best picture list, like I could see him in any of these roles. Like I could definitely mm. see him playing either of the leads in Ford v Ferrari, or uh, I mean Scorsese decided to cast maybe him in the Irish maybe not screen, Parasite. But, uh, I mean no, but if Par- <laughs> yo, but if Parasite were an American-made we, film, well, uh, um, women. <laughs> let's let's hope that. We don't get an American remake yeah. of Paris. Oh, I, I absolutely think they are. We don't need they? that. I absolutely do not want that. And uh, well, uh, we will get it. Yeah. Hollywood. But we don't want yeah. it. Well, just yeah. watch, just watch give it ten subtitles. years. Give it ten years yeah, minimum. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And and then I probably still won't see it because you know the originals near perfection um but uh but like you know he i could see him playing the joker in this kind of role or at least Mm. the de niro um performance i could see him being uh like that sam rockwell character or the uh, in a in jojo rabbit or um maybe the (laughs) i mean look maybe yeah maybe the stephen merchant character too or I don't think he could pull off imaginary Hitler, but but that only works. He, he could be the father in in Little Women, and he could mm. he could I think he could play the Adam Driver role in uh, in Marriage Story. Like just anyway, so just like really really interesting that he's kind of willing to take a to take a backseat. But yeah, uh, uh, but I, I think marriage. I think it just like for for Leo to be able to work so well with him and and a lot it these actors are work incredibly well together and they are better for each other being in the movie. And so uh, I think I just like Leo a little bit in this movie, like because Brad Pitt plays off him well mm. and, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, uh, I just enjoy watching him. I don't, he, he definitely wasn't going to win it. Like, right. Because there are some truly impressive performances in this category, right? Um, but I I didn't mind the recognition just because that's a long movie to hold on your shoulders, and I know that Brad Pitt kind of support, like literally supports those shoulders. But see, that's a perfect movie that kind of shows off that whole lead supporting balance really well. 
Um, because that's Brad Pitt is supporting that movie. He is again chewing that scenery. He's having a great old time in his like smaller role. And then Leo's just you know completely just going at it, and he's allowed to just be free, and then have the Brad Pitt character kind of yeah, reign him in every. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Right. So, yeah, no, definitely, I, I, not a win, but definitely a recognition for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the Jonathan Price character, can we just be comfortable <laughs> echoing everything we said about Anthony Hopkins and how they're just perfect in this, and be comfortable just saying yeah. that and moving on? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure, Next. worthy of this nomination. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and uh, and then Joaquin Phoenix. That's that's the last one, the Oscar winner of last year. Yeah, so with Joaquin and, like, Joker, I know we've already talked about a little bit how we think that this is was definitely overhyped and probably isn't the, you know, piece of brilliance that everyone thinks it is. But I think that Joaquin is – he's impressive. Like, he's truly impressive in this yeah. movie. Um, again, this is one that falls – like, lives and falls by the performance of the Joker, the Joker character – um, and you can, I mean, he's a chameleon, you know, he's like one of those actors like Christian Bale, where he just becomes whoever it is that his character is and becomes him so much. You kind of like, Oh, is he, is he okay? Like in real life now? Um, but yeah. it is like, even though I, I probably won't just pop in Joker anytime soon, just for like a good Friday night viewing. Um, he was definitely the standout in so many ways, I'd say. Yeah, I was actually surprised by how little every other character in that movie had to do. Mm. Like some of those like really talented character actors didn't really have a whole lot of lines or even a whole lot of screen yeah. time. That was like, all. I mean, they cast Phoenix. they cast Zazie Beats for the equivalent of nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, like I, same with De Niro. <laughs> yes, I was so excited that Mark Maron was in it. From yeah, Blow. and like. What's he have, like, a handful of lines the whole time? Like, four and a half seconds of screen time. Mm. So, Um, he carried, Joaquin Phoenix carried it. He was extremely committed. Yeah. And he made that movie. Yeah. Whatever, whatever your definition of that movie is, he made it. (laughs) So... Look, I don't even not- know that Todd Phillips can answer that question. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not even like Todd Phillips made this movie. Like, let's all be honest. Dif- put a different actor in the exact same movie. I don't yeah. think we'd be talking about it right now. No, well, and look, uh, look, I hate to keep on being such a downer on Joker, but like, <laughs> I, I really I really do think that that's the, the farther that time has gone from this movie, the more and more I hate this movie and the more and more I am annoyed by it. And um, Joaquin Phoenix as Joker is part of that problem. Uh, it's very over the top and it's very exaggerated. And sure, you could explain it away with him being the unreliable narrator of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just feel like it's so over the top. It's so eccentric and dramatic. And I don't really think it plays towards what the movie is trying to do. Um, and I, I found his performance to be irritating uh, upon further rewatches and, uh, uh, but not in a way that I like, you want the Joker to be a little bit irritating, right? Uh, like you want it yeah. to be a little unsteady. Look, I'll give it this. He's way better than Jared Leto as Joker. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but like, he's so just, what you're saying is there's a chance. 
Look, it just, <laughs> if, if you if you stack up all the Jokers uh, in in cinematic uh, so far, he is he, he is just above Jared Leto for me. But he Cesar Romero, um, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, um, even Mark Hamill, even though he never got a actual live action one, uh, but he did get feature films. Uh, that vocal performance though, right? <laughs> To be honest, uh, slap some paint I'll, on Mark Hamill. He'd be a good Joker. Exactly right. He, especially with like this older gruff Batman that they have. Yeah, they could, they could pull off an older Mark. Although Hamill. I will say, I feel like with this new super emo Batman that's about to come out with Robert Pattinson, that maybe <laughs> this is the Joker he needs. You know. Okay. <laughs> well, just yeah, and, he, and he was playing the equivalent of a Joker in uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, so so uh, any wild cards? Nope. All right, then. Not uh, this one. Then it's voting time. I have wild cards. It's just uh, I've already used mine, um, so I will mention them all at the end. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so it's voting time. I I have to go with Adam Driver for Marriage Story. I felt this exact same way the year before. I was really hoping that the Academy was going to make the right call, and they didn't. I second that vote. I'm against slipping away from the unanimity. Oh my gosh, I'm like a meme. It's all to say. Anemone. Yeah, anemone. I'm gonna. All right, I'm sticking with Joaquin. I'm sticking with the Academy. Just again, purely because I think Marriage Story. I 100% agree. Adam Driver is insane, but that's very much like a two-parter sort of thing. Like that movie lives and dies on both of the actors' shoulders. While this one, it's like you need Joaquin, and he yeah. is transcendent. I mean, even just like every time I picture the movie, I picture the scene on the poster where he's like dancing in the bathroom and. I you I don't even think about Joaquin. I'm just thinking that that's the Joker. So I have to stay with him. Sure, and that, and that's fine. Look and look, he he's doing Oscar. Um, but you know, her or mm. the master, the master, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. That movie. Well, this is I I, I do imagine this is uh, going back to a unanimous. Uh, we so fun story. Uh, we the audio cut off at, uh, at the end of lead actress, and so we've had to record. Um, that part I honestly can't remember what we like I know the outcome but I can't remember what the vote total wound up being so um, I'm pretty sure this one's fairly easy Uh, so director uh, we have Bong Joon-ho for Parasite Martin Scorsese for Irishman Todd Phillips for Joker Sam Mendes for 1917 and Tarantino for What's Upon a Time in Hollywood I feel like we have talked about all these movies uh, a bit uh, quite a bit Todd Phillips out of there uh, I was going to say, no matter who wins, Todd Phillips needs to leave. Yeah, uh, we. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure we all had wild cards, and all of them were contingent on Todd Phillips being gone. And yeah, uh, he, well, this he, is my wild card entrant for sure. Well, it, look, Todd Phillips is for sure the biggest problem with Joker. Um, yeah, and and that's it. But yeah, like these last two categories, it's just like we talked about these enough. Um, so yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so, so do uh, you want to just throw go ahead and throw in your wild card now, Alice? Yeah. So before I do that, just really uh, quickly on like Todd Phillips, I do um, I do think the reason that he's nominated here is that sort of like oh he's known for comedy and now he's done something really dark and depressing. Brilliant the effect. Well, yeah, and, it's, and, yeah, and, and there's that trend, and you know, like Jordan Peele deserves his Oscar nomination. Yeah, but... that's what I mean. I feel like the Oscars were just like, oh, like Adam McKay and Jordan Peele. Let's just right. continue and that Peter now. Farrelly. 
Yeah, yeah. And Peter Farrelly, exactly. And so now they're like, oh, it's exactly the same. Except it's not. Just because you used to do comedy and, yet, and now you do a, a sort of good dark movie does not mean you deserve an Oscar. Sorry, mate. Sorry, Todd. Yeah. Try better next time. But having said that, I'm swapping him out. For I was actually angry when the nominations came out because I was ready to be really excited for this particular category and then they mentioned Todd Phillips and they didn't mention Greta Gerwig for Little Women. And that made me so mad because Little Women is a brilliant film and it is just, it's so well made. It makes a 100, 200-year-old story interesting again and yes some of it is to do with the writing but the directing is so important the way the story is the story is told the shots the 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 progression of the edits that's just it's on another level and Greta Gerwig does it so impressively and she was completely snubbed and that just makes me really really mad so I'm I'm dropping her in as a wild card yeah and a, and a very worthy wild card um definitely much more than Todd Phillips uh, yeah, if I didn't use sure. mine on the international film, <clears throat> Taika Waititi was going to be <laughs> nominated yeah. for Best Director. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, other uh, other notes to make uh, about any of these directors, um, specifically in their role in the film, or we just want to go Joon Ho for the win. Yeah. Bong Joon Ho for the win. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, Bong right. Joon-ho for the win. How, how, how interesting is this? All three of us played our wild cards, and all three of us voted against our wild cards in that category. It's all <laughs> like, about recognition. Exactly. It's like, about the recognition and about the fact that, like, again, I know Greta is going to win her Oscar someday. Yeah. I, I just know that Parasite's a better directed film. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about that recognition. And, t- I mean, typically... I think there is usually a standout in the Oscars of the one that you really wanted. And I, mm. I, I can only think of one other one uh, that I would pick over Parasite, and I will save it for a wild card talk. Um, mm-hmm. Only one other person I would pick. Um, uh, although if you know me, then you already know what it is. <laughs> uh, so running total so far still. Um, obviously, we broke the anonymity or the uh, 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 autonomy. <laughs> autonomy. That's what we're going with now. Uh, we broke the autonomy of our votes um, currently, we believe that the Oscars got seven out of 14, right? So uh, half and half. Um, and um, uh, that's that's where we land. And then Best Picture. I really think the only one that we maybe need to can spend a little bit more time on is for V Ferrari. And it's only because yes. so far the only thing that we've got to talk about it with is editing. And that was at the very beginning. And uh, um, this is, gosh, I really love James Mangold. And I'm totally here for anything he does in the future. And like, I realize he kind of established himself as kind of a, like a Western kind of person with like walk the line and three ten to Yuma. And even Logan is, is very much a Western. And as much as, as, as much as, uh, as much as um, the Wolverine is a samurai movie too. I mean, samurai movies and Westerns are very similar. um, Yeah, exactly. Uh, And they're intentionally that way, you know? And uh uh, and this is kind of out of nowhere uh, to me for him. And if there's one person that could do an Indiana Jones movie, it's him. So I'm happy that he's the one actually uh, getting behind that. Um, but yeah, he he's excellent. The the performances are terrific. The screenplay is great. Um, I don't care about racing at all, but I really love this movie. Yeah, 
I 100% agree. It is it so it's actually my number one movie of that year. Although I say that it's very like one two is the same sort of thing with Little Women, um, but that is because I went in with no expectations. Like I, you know, went into the movie going, okay, racing, let's do this. Um, yeah, and also because I really love Christian Bale and I really love Matt Damon. It's also got uh, Katrina Balfi from Outlander, who I, I'm a fan of that show. So I was like, all right, let's go. And my goodness, you made me care about racing. Like it is so kinetic. It is just such a great film that tells such an interesting story you know classic underdog sports movie if you really think about it yeah but it is just so well made and it, it everything about it the editing the sounds the um the the acting like the performances and the story itself is just so tight that i i feel like i'm you know almost pushed back the entire movie just experiencing it like a race car driver and then it ends and i'm just like okay i can take a breath now yeah hundred percent agree when they got james mangold for this they got the right man behind the wheel yeah (laughs) that is that is the perfect way to put it um yeah and yeah uh out of these, out of these, it is a clear choice for me. Um, mm-hmm. I have to vote Parasite. Although, as uh, as they were unveiling the nomination, uh, a little part of my heart really wanted Jojo Rabbit to get it. But Parasite mm. is the better movie. Parasite is the better made movie. I think just uh, Jojo Rabbit just did something unexpected, and it's just so charming and delightful, and has everything working for it. That a little bit of my heart was like. I really want Jojo Rabbit to win and my heart will still be full uh, as long as it's one of these two. Uh, and honestly, like a pretty good track record. Uh, I mean, um, this same with uh, this year's Oscars as well, like a really good selection of movies. So, um, uh, but to me, there is a clear standout um, in, in this one. So uh, I'm going to say the Academy got it right by voting Parasite. I think it'll be a long time before we get another slate of Best Picture nominees like 2019. That, like, I I look at that list and I'm just like, holy crap, this year. And Parasite came out of nowhere. Yeah. And blew me away. But the other movie I saw in the same exact days getting my vote, which is Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> but it made me so happy when Taika Waititi got uh, the screenplay Oscar. Because, like, between that and Jordan Peele winning a couple years ago, it's just like, yes. Yeah. Gotta celebrate these bold, strange movies from really funny people. Shane, I'm actually going to push back on your your saying that you don't think that we'll get another Oscar season like this for Best Picture category. I think this year is very comparable. Uh, To me, a little bit more challenging. Um, If you take into consideration that there was only eight um, and so if we take out um, the Joker and the Irishman here, I mean, I think any of these has a legitimate chance of winning. And I feel like most of them have a legitimate chance of winning uh, this year at the Oscars, or at least like I would want to win or I could understand winning. Uh, maybe that's just me. Uh, well, so I think there's I'm an not... excellent slate. I mean, Promising Young Woman, Judas and the Black Messiah and um, the Trial of Chicago 7 and um, the so, like, million other I'm not other arguing movies. the competitiveness Okay. Of the nominees. To me, most like most of the movies that were nominated in 2019, 
I would pick way above any of the movies nominated in 2020. Yeah, like I agree. I don't think, to me, I don't think anything nominated in 2020 comes close to Parasite, doesn't come close to Jojo Rabbit for me. Like, just in general, I think overall it was stronger. And also, I have different feelings about two of the nominees from 2019 than both of you. Yeah. But I think that, like, looking at this, I'm not surprised of what the best picture slate looks like in 2020 because of 2020. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I I agree. I agree. It's it's very much... uh, exactly what you're saying Shane where it's like I think in terms of competitiveness where I don't really know who should be the winner like for this year is the same sort of thing that as the previous Oscars however if you dropped almost any of these other of of the 2019 um best picture nominees into this year's slate I think it would easily win so if you dropped you know Jojo Rabbit Mm. Ford versus Ferrari any of those in against the current list I'm I would vote for them over the current list. All right. I mean, look, that's fine. I can be, I can be wrong about that. Then um, I just, I, I, out of the nominees I here, so you're two, definitely two, right in terms of how competitive this year is. Yeah, sure, sure. It's a. I agree. You're just saying. You're just saying if, if you know none of these are like obviously clear, blown out, blown out the water. Like should be the the winner. Like last mm-hmm. year had like JoJo Rabbit in. Like, let's say the year that Crash won, like, should have, you know, could have won, right? Like, because um, I know that Crash gets picked on a lot. So, uh, like, but, um, yeah, I just, like, out of the out of the list here, two of these movies are in my, like, favorite 100 movies of all time uh, from this 2019 list. And out of this current year's Oscar nom- Best Picture nominations, only one of them, I think, um, and, uh, and one of them that is not nominated, but... Uh, um, Palm Springs being nom- nom- not nominated as a travesty, and so uh, bring some love. But I do actually have the movie um, that uh, a, a movie that is nominated next year higher than Parasite on my favorites list. So um, yeah, so I don't, so I don't I, think but... it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna win, but I love Trial of Chicago Seven. So <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I, I I get that totally, but I I am agreeing in terms of like I I'm definitely picking Parasite here for best picture, and that's because it is perfectly made like yeah. the, the it is a such a fine-tuned film in how it's made in the way that it tells its story in the story that it tells let alone how like this is completely different to anything i've ever seen in my entire life um especially considering i didn't want to go see it at all in the first place but it is yeah it, it is just so impressive it's thrilling it's funny it's sad it hits all the emotions, so it has to win, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure Shane's not going to vote it, but... Yeah. Well, I already didn't, but the thing is, like, Parasite was, like, my number three movie of yeah. 2019, so it's close. Yeah, this is And difficult. I almost was aligned with all of our winners today, so I had to ruin it at the end. <laughs> so... Yeah. Had to keep it interesting. Mm. Well, uh, Parasite, uh, we are confirming the Academy did a good job there. Um, that leaves our final tally at the Academy got 8 out of 15 right, above a 500 percentage uh, or 50%, which is uh, um, good for better, them. B- better, than, uh, better than I expected, honestly. 
Um, and we'll just, you know, especially, um, I don't know. I feel like the Oscars are getting a little bit better about which ones actually deserve to win. Um, you know, where if you look at like, uh, you know, several years ago, like the 2016 Oscars or 2017 Oscars for 2016 films, like, Mm. um, lots of, lots of things there that I would, I would push back on and same with the, the following year. So, uh, so good job, Oscars. You guys are doing it. Um, wh- uh, wild- book. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um... Something book. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. The, yeah. I'd say overall, yes. There has been a bit of a bump in the road. <laughs> well, but I mean, I'm gonna say I'm saying like last year being kind of an yeah. official marking of like, oh no, we're gonna actually do better. Um, yeah. And this year, based off of the nominees, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be happy if any of like one of like four of them won. I'd be really content. Um, and so, anyway, um, uh, other wild cards that we want to throw out uh, before we sign off. Uh, yeah, I have three. So okay. the one I um, teased at the start uh, was for score, um, and that is I really, really think that Ford v Ferrari should have been nominated there the the score's like unlike anything i've ever heard and every time i need to get super motiv- motivated i'm i'm popping that in i'm listening it through and i'm you know at my computer typing really fast and getting so much work done as a result um and so that's by marco beltrami and buck sanders and i just it it they somehow managed to perfectly replicate a fast really powerful car in music and that is just really amazing to me. And so I really think they should have been nominated there. Sure. Um, just go ahead and go with all yours. Yeah. Okay. And so my other two were for director and best picture. Um, not enough for me to actually use them, but they were Endgame. And that is just um, – so the Russo brothers for director and then obviously Endgame for the best picture. And that is because it is insane that this movie – managed to happen like I know that it's been leading up to so long for now and but the fact that I'm just imagining the Russo brothers having to handle all of these huge million dollar personalities on set and then having to you know make sure that they all um, have good roles they're all memorable that the story makes sense that you know, you have um, obviously a, an impressive villain. You have an interesting story. You have actual, really depressing deaths that I'm still not over. And the, to be honest, you make a three and a half hour superhero movie that I'm interested in the whole way through, and will watch multiple times in the future. That to me deserves a nom. Yeah, I, I guess mine would be mostly around best actress. Because, like, Cynthia Erivo and Charlize Theron, like, they could have been replaced with, like, a handful of other performances. Whether it's Lupita Mm Nyong'o from Us. Um, I would, like, Ana de Amis is a great choice, too. The lead actress from Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Even Aquafina from The Farewell. I Mm. think all of them would have been, I think, more deserving oscar nominees than those performances and one of these days john wick needs to be nominated for something like come on yeah Yeah, when are we gonna get stunts uh like 
Honestly, well, that I mean, that is a category that really now that they've actually finally combined combined sound mixing and sound editing, just drop in stunts. What's an I, extra category gonna do? I want um I want stunts and I want um a, a it kind of could be a hybrid of either motion capture or voice acting. I feel, I, like you, I feel like you could lump those two together because I don't know that there's enough motion capture going on just yet to justify. You could, call, you could be called like live action acting and like you know but, even animated acting yeah, if well, you wanted to simplify it well, that way. We'll just call it the Andy Circus Award. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. And, when when he dies, that's definitely going to happen. They're going to make <laughs> one in in memoriam to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was going to say it would be really really cool if they made a stunts category and then you know how they perform all the songs for mm-hmm. the original song category. <laughs> what if they did the same where they have like all the stunt, like the main coordinators or whatever yes. nominated doing like really cool battle scene yeah. using the stunts that were nominated. Oh, that, I'm telling you right now, that would bring, that would bring viewers to the Oscars. Yeah. yeah. So, and like, I don't know how you award stunts either. Does it go to the coordinator? Does it go to the actor? Does it go to the, um, the probably stunt, the stunt actual coordinator? Stunt. Probably the coordinator. Yeah. I'd say the but, coordinator. So, cinematography like one of these john wick movies needs to get some recognition like yeah legitimately it was the same dp who did shape of water that did john wick 2 same year yeah yeah and then uh just a little shout out to mr adam sandler (laughs) and (laughs) who shot himself in the foot by basically throwing down with the academy and that's why, like, he had no chance in hell in getting nominated for Uncut Gems. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. boy, that was that one of the most surprising movies of 2019. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll go by category here. Um, so I will also get rid of – say what I would get rid of in my wild cards. Um, I would get rid of um, – uh, so the Joaquin Phoenix, and I would replace him with Matthew Rees in um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I think he's excellent in that movie. Uh, really something special. And I would get rid of Leo and I would put in Robert Downey Jr. from Endgame because um, he deserves at least a nomination for 10 years of being just perfectly casted and always surpassing expectations on what you um, what you would hope for a comic book actor. Um, for supporting actress, I'm going to take away Kathy Bates and I'm going to add Thomas and McKenzie from Jojo Rabbit, the, uh, the, um, the little... Uh, Jewish girl hiding in the attic. Uh, she has always been the standout of this movie. Um, she's just terrific. Um, and I am so excited to see where her career goes. Um, and I'm going to get rid of Margot Robbie from Bombshell, having not seen Bombshell. And I'm going to put in Margot Robbie from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I personally am of the opinion that all the Sharon Tate stuff could be cut from the movie and really not much of the movie would change. But that's tarantino's vision and that's okay but it was still kind of my favorite part to watch Mm -hmm. so um i think a lot of that is margot robbie um and two directing ones um so we'll get rid of todd phillips and uh we'll put ryan johnson um obviously ryan johnson being my the only one the only one i would put over parasite look it's because every little detail about this movie is perfect and it's because the way he wrote it and the way he directed it and i 100 i think that is a literally flawless movie uh i would not i would not change a single frame about it we might be seeing him directing a mandalorian episode apparently i hope so i hope so oh uh and the and the very last one um i would probably get rid of uh take your pick of scorsese or tarantino uh 
I would I would pick get rid of Scorsese and I would put in Mike Flanagan for Doctor Sleep because that was a surprise and Mike Flanagan's a big reason for that. He is he is probably well, there's a lot of really talented hard directors coming out of like A24 and stuff like that, but I love Mike Flanagan so yeah, he, much. He's he's probably number 2 for me. I'd take Scott Derrickson over him, but that's me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we did it. We did the Oscars recap, and uh, we we repicked the Oscars. So, um, somebody get in contact with Joaquin and send hit tell him to mail his Oscar over to Adam. No. And, uh, <laughs> send him and a little now. note, a little note from me, being like, "I still believed in you." <laughs> Same to Renee. And uh, yeah, and somebody, <laughs> um, somebody take away. Um, uh, gosh, who else to be? <laughs> Renee. Yeah, take away, away take away Renelle's and send, uh, Renee's and send it to ScarJo. Wow, Renee, Renee Zellweger. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, wow. Uh, I guess the take away the screenplay from Bong Joon Ho and send it to Ryan Johnson. But <laughs> uh, oh, he has enough Oscars. He's <laughs> yeah, fine. That's fair. That's he's, fair. He, he's fine. He's that's not fair. like, oh no, my fourth Oscar. It's not even <laughs> like the big one. Like, all right. <laughs> so uh yeah so a uh, quick reminder as uh, that sip pop writer room is part of the studio dna network check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching studio and dna in your podcast player uh, and if you you can write for sip pop get in contact with us uh, send us a question to explore and we would love to do that uh email us at sip pop writers room at sip that is in the description below uh get in contact with me via twitter at schweitcastle um, or letterboxed at Schweit Castle. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It's really helpful. Um, Alice and Shane, where do you want to send people to? Uh, so I have a couple. So first of all, on Letterboxd and on Instagram, you can find me, um, Ali G Mick, M-I-C-H. Um, that's where you can find me to tell me all your things, get all my opinions on random stuff. I update my letterbox every time I watch a new film, so you can get my opinions there. But otherwise, I've said this a few times, me and my friends are currently doing the full catalogue of Disney rewatch. You can keep up with that at once.upon.a.marathon. And right now we're taking a break and we're actually, we realised that one of our, one of our trio hadn't really seen any of the MCU. And so we were just like, hold up. No, no, no. And so now we're taking her through the entire MCU. We just watched Thor uh, last week. So the next one is Captain America. And I have to say, I'm really, really excited to finally get to the really good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, catch us there. <laughs> there you go. So once.upon.a.marathon and, mm-hmm. uh, and Ali G. Mick. And check out Alice's new series, uh, One Stop Pop on SifPop.com. Yes. That's really great stuff. It's really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, I thought it might be fun. Each month I'll pick like the best or the most popular movie or piece of media from the month previous and I will recommend other p- types of media based on that. So, for example, uh, last month I just came out with the col- uh, column on Raya and the Last Dragon and so I, rec- I recommend a TV show, some music, a video game and a book series if you really liked that movie. Yeah. So, yeah, check that out too. Yeah. I guess my turn. Uh, so I have my YouTube channel, the Wasteland Reviewer YouTube channel, so go on. I review basically everything that comes out so 
you want to get some opinions on some movies, I have a couple of different shows on there as well. I have a Development Hell podcast with my friends Alex and Matt and occasional other guests. I have the Lost in the Wasteland show where I get to interview people about their perspectives on film. And both Alice and Aaron have been on the show and I love getting a chance to talk to people about their perspectives on movies. And I have Welcome to the Wasteland, which is my weekly show where I take a deep dive into film, a particular film. And I'm making my way through all the Coen Brothers movies. And I'm about to record my Lady Killers episode. So the worst one. So, and then obviously I write for Sif Pop. I do Staff Writer. I do try to do as many reviews as I can. And you can also check out my Instagram and my letterbox. Basically, the only things that I rate on letterbox are the brand new movies that I watch. Um, and then I am an author at Scribe Magazine now. And you could check out the Wasteland Vintage Roadshow, where I take a look at films that are celebrating anniversaries. And I just sent in my Shrek one. Shrek <laughs> is 20 years old. And that yep. makes wow. me sad. Yep, oh. I, can feel, so, I can feel my hairline receding. I'm so old. <laughs> I feel so my hair am. graying at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? It's two decades. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's <laughs> On that note, okay. cries over my cereal. <laughs> On that note, I think that's a perfect uh, time to end this because uh, how else do you end the Oscar show other than talking about Shrek? Uh, but, Oscar uh, winner, Oscar winning yeah. Shrek, yes. first ever best right. animated that's feature right. winner. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so uh, that'll do it for this. Uh, I hope to do this again next year, and I would love if you two joined again. Um, and love to percent in. Get a little hindsight, and maybe you guys will uh, understand where I've been coming from with some of my radical opinions at the end. But in the meantime, <laughs> that'll do it, and uh, and we'll see you guys around. Woo, bye.